intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, Fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin. As always, with me is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? We are doing great. It is a Sunday. We are switching it up on y'all today. But great to see you, brother. Just Sunday, a, Sunday. Bring in Sunday the fun. Day. Day. That's ah, you stole it right from me, brother. There we go. We are in Simpatico already. Mind. Got the high Already mind. know. Already know, baby. Know. We're tapped in. We are tapped in, folks. Uh, so we are live and we are ready to jive. As you know, UFC Austin took place yesterday, as well as uh, a couple of other, you know, low key banger events. We had Ryan King Garcia himself just obliterating an opponent who's crying wolf, saying that it was an early stoppage that he should have been given longer. I don't know, dude, maybe stand up before nine on the 10 count. Um, yeah, but we'll get into that whole thing a little bit later. And we also obviously have to get into BKFC and just the absolute nightmare fuel of a post uh, post fight interview that took place in that with Mr. Mike Perry and Eddie, the king of violence, the underground king Alvarez himself. Um, again, folks, one hell of a weekend. And by the way, the UFC fight card, phenomenal. Oh and my gosh! Free. Yes. For having a week off, I mean, we it felt like they were trying to give us uh, make making up for the lost time. I mean, my goodness, they gave us nothing but strong performances. We were going into this fight hoping for some good ones, and even the ones that maybe we were iffy on or didn't really know what the verdict was going to be like, maybe we weren't as excited for some of these. Well, those might have been the, some of the most exciting fights on this card. I mean, my goodness, I was telling you before, I think this UFC Fight Night Austin might need to be uh, renamed the UFC Slam Fest because. Well, that's the that's the story coming out of this weekend is uh, the amount of slams. Pure violence, brother. Dude, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, you look down, you take a sip of your beer, you look up. It's all over. Uh, I mean, it was it was wild, man. Like we went from seeing just a handful of slam knockouts across the duration of the UFC since its conception uh, to seeing multiple back to back. Uh, last night. So, I mean, it was just a phenomenal night for fights. If you're a fan of violence, you had a good time. If you're a fan of skilled violence, you had an even better one. Uh, So, with that being said, we are going to go ahead and jump right on into things, starting with the early prelims. Veronica Macedo, formerly uh, now known as Veronica Hardy. Man, I got to be completely honest with you here. Veronica Hardy looked phenomenal out there last night. I thought she looked really, really good. Um, 
granted her opponent outlanded her in total strikes they weren't really doing a whole lot to veronica hardy and, and hardy i mean she controlled the pace of that fight she in my opinion pretty handily won the first two rounds um just fighting a smarter fight and jamie lynn horth did what she needed to do in the the third round i would say probably she did get the third round um on the judges scorecards even but it, it was one of those situations where it was just too little too late she needed a finish in that third round and man i just don't know if it was possible over someone as game and as ready as uh, veronica hardy what were your thoughts on both women's performance yeah, I thought both both women uh, definitely showed out. I think uh, to start with the winner, Veronica Hardy, like you mentioned, uh, came out guns blazing, was able to show her sharp footwork, uh, her speed, was able to land some uh, key punches during those exchanges. You could obviously tell that Dan Hardy uh, made sure that her game plan was locked in and she stayed focused. Uh, and again, she looked really good out there uh, for the first 10 minutes. Now, where Jamie Lynn Horth, and unfortunately, I, this was maybe a fear of mine going into the fight was... How is Veronica going to do against the bigger, stronger fighter? And although she was doing great at uh, fending her off, keeping her at distance, avoiding some of the uh, majority of the heavy shots, and then again, using that speed and her footwork to really edge out the first two rounds, in my opinion. Uh, but Jamie Lee Lynn Horth came out really strong in that third round. And that's probably why we see a little bit of a discrepancy in the total strikes. Really, she started to try to pour it on Veronica uh, in that third round. And like I said, it was just a little too late. You would have loved to see her maybe get a little bit busy earlier. But it's easier said than done trying to get reads on an opponent where you don't know where she is. You don't know where to counter if you can't place her, right? Um, so I think all things considered, Veronica looked good. I just think if she wants to continue to contend or make that next jump in her career, Veronica needs to get a little bit stronger. Because again, Jamie... It, did feel to uh, be the bigger girl there towards the end. Maybe not as strong uh, with the fundamentals or just her uh, fighting skills per se. Uh, but there's a scenario where, I mean, as you continue to climb in, in the rankings there, these girls are going to be just as strong, just as skilled, just as fast, you know, and how you're going to uh, deal with that diversity. So I'd like to see Veronica get a little bit stronger and, and have a, a good answer for uh the strong women that are in this division, right? And as you try to maybe crack that top 15 of the women's flyweight. I, and and that's where, for me, maybe it's just that's her next opponent is someone in the top 15 potentially or someone else that could potentially be knocking on that door uh, because she's definitely got the name. she got the talent. She has t uh, time ahead of her as well. She's still young in her career. So would love to see her maybe get somebody in that top 15 uh, as soon as possible. Completely agree with that. I'd love to see her get somebody in the top 15. I think it's uh, it's about darn time, you know? Um, and I think she's going to be more than game for anybody that they give her, but um, she'll, she'll be a lot happier to sign that contract if it is someone with a number next to their name. Um, moving into the next fight, we had a welterweight bout between Jared the Night Train Gooden coming in against Wellington Terman. And man, um, I, I think we took the over one and a half on this one. That hit. Um, so they it was a submission in round two, uh, about a minute and 11 seconds in by Jared Gooden, uh, a.k.a. the Night Train. Uh, I believe the story is his father used to either animate or write comic books. And that's where he got the idea for the Night Train. He wanted to you know, sound like a superhero. And I'll be damned if he doesn't look like one, too, man. He looks like uh, his dad drew him from a comic book. Shout out. Shout out to the, the Marvel shirt here with Nano. Let's go live jive. 
Um, so yeah, man, the, the night train has not had an easy UFC career or a, an easy MMA career for, for that matter. So he came out there against a very game Wellington tournament. And again, in round two, after weathering the storm, he landed big shots himself in round one, but man, it was not one way traffic. He ate 37 significant strikes, even though he landed 53 himself. I mean, he was eating. He was eating, folks. Uh, and there were quite a few times in that fight where I was like, oh, boy, he might go down here, folks. Uh, but instead, he got his opponent down and he got the rear naked choke. So very, very impressive win. Um, excited to hear or rather intrigued to hear what you thought of his performance, as well as what you thought of Wellington Terman's performance. Um, and also, do you have a name on the tip of your tongue for him? I think I might have one myself. Nice, brother. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a fun one. I, I uh, felt like this was a slobber knocker fight. And what I mean by that is just get two guys that went in there, almost like a drunken bar fight, left everything out, threw caution to the wind and said, you know what, we're just going to go in here and see what the last man standing is. Very glad- gladiator style. This little slobber knocker fight that we had here, folks. Uh, very back and forth. We got a lot of, uh, we need a, a dictionary for the MMA Anomaly No Filter show here. We have so many words and expressions that we have that we tend to use. But uh, Schlabernacher is the newest one here that we're adding on. Uh, again, it was a fight that went back and forth. It had ups, it had lows, it had some good technique, had some fun exchanges. And although at times you felt Wellington Terman uh, was determined to win this fight, Jared Gooden, man, nothing can stop that night train. And I think it almost felt like tri- typical uh superhero fashion as i'm rocking the marvel uh, avengers shirt here the og version uh it just felt like jared needed to get punched a little bit had to feel what it was like and and that almost gave him that extra fuel to dig deep and uh the reality was both these guys were, were fine for the ufc careers i mean both of them are coming off losses multiple to be you know on both ends so you knew that they're gonna be coming in with uh basically like back against the wall like those hungry lions like they say around here as well but again, although Wellington Turner stylistically looked really fun, he was throwing the flying knees, he landed really early, had chances to put Jared Gooden out. The reality is, Jared is just too gosh darn tough. was able to dig a little bit deeper and was able to find the chin, hurt Wellington, and then, like you mentioned, get to that submission in the second round, which was a thing of beauty. Uh, one of the funner fights of the night. I don't know if this one fight of the night. I don't believe it did. But early on, I remember thinking this could have been Easy potential. There are some funner ones later on, most definitely that earned that uh, title. But again, Wellington, I mean, was able to knock Jared down. But Jared, man, in a true comic book hero fashion, was able to come back from the deepest depths of the uh, darkest place and and find a way to become victorious. I don't have any names out top of my head for the welterweight division. So stacked. So many talented fighters here. I mean, you could throw these guys you know, throw their hats in the ring and, and I'd be okay with any of the top 25 guys. Um, but curious to hear who you have, brother. What are you thinking? So, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different names that I think really do make sense. Um, you know, if you really want to feed them to the wolves, you can throw them to the top 15, but I, I don't necessarily know that that's the move to make right now. Um, he did have a very, very impressive win. Uh, somebody else that just had a very impressive win as well. That's kind of right along their way of breaking into the top 15 is Michael Morales. Um, I'm not mad at that fight. I think Jared Gooden versus Michael Morales would be uh, kind of a, a sluggers delight. He's on a three fight win streak right now over Adam Fugit, Matt, uh, Max Griffin and Jake Matthews. We've most recently saw him beat Jake Matthews. Uh, gosh, just a week ago. Um, 
So, I mean, the timeline matches up pretty well. You know he doesn't have anything lined up or matched up necessarily right now. So, I don't know. I think that's, um, I think that's a rather fun one. What do you think? How do you think that? Uh, do you think that that's a good matchup, eh? And um, if so, how do you how do you actually see that one playing out? Yeah, brother. I, I mean, I think it's an f- extremely fun fight. I mean, you're talking about two absolute savages, two beefy individuals here that are looking to get a finish one way or another. Uh, stylistically, I mean, I think it's tough for both of them. Again, I mean, what we just saw from Jared Gooden, you know, this is someone that can weather the storm. So you can't necessarily blow your load early. You got to be able to fight smart. And, and stay disciplined for the full 15. Um, ah, man, but I mean, it's hard to, maybe it's just like recency bias, you know, but when you see somebody that was able to uh, look as good as, as Jared did in terms of his recovery and being able to dig deep and find a way to uh, get rid of a tough opponent in front of you, almost leaning that way. Maybe it's a little recency bias, like I mentioned, but um, either way, I, sign me up. I don't think anyone would argue with that one. Yeah, I mean, I just think that that'd be a really, really fun match, man. Again, Strikers Delight, everybody wins as far as the fans. Um, highly damaging fight, I think, for both guys. This next one, I'm going to let you take the lead on because I have quite a few thoughts on this one. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly. But more than anything, I'm curious to hear how you feel uh, about that fight before I kind of sway your opinion at all. Yeah, brother. I mean, it was definitely another fun one, another slobber knocker, we could call it, where both guys are, are getting thrown down and it's rock'em sock'em robots in there, as Kenny Florian uh, so famously coined with his call with uh, John Anik back in the day. But um, yeah, Hadolfo Bellato, the guy that came in a very heavy favorite, the guy that on paper looks extremely scary. I mean, his picture, everything about him, his presence, dude looks like nightmare fuel. Uh, and he got stung early by Ihor Potieria. I mean, this was Ihor's fight to lose at that point. I mean, he was able to starch him. Rodolfo was a bit loose with his uh, his his hands, right, a little bit low, and just lackadaisical at the defense. And Ihor took an advantage of that. Now, there's going to be a lot of questions. You know, did the ref give Rodolfo maybe too much of an opportunity? Was there a potential chance to have? Uh, there'd be a stoppage potentially. I mean, you know, these are, these are big guys. I mean, they are light heavyweights, so you can obviously expect when they're throwing leather that everything's going to be impactful. So I, I, I would say I almost want to give them a little bit extra benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's wrong for me to say, or maybe that's just the violent side of me that says, Hey, you know what? Like every shot is can potentially flash knock you out, but let's see if you're actually defending smart uh, it, you know, if your hands go limp or if there are any of those clear signs, which we're going to break that down a little bit later, I'm sure, um, on what, what that line might be <laughs> and how much you want to give, <laughs> spoiler, uh, the fighter there. But not to get too sidetracked, Rodolfo, although he was knocking on the door to getting kicked out of there, he bounced back, man. He resurrected like Frankenstein, like the monster he is, and somehow managed to get it back in the second round, recovered. I don't know how. And uh, found a way to get some leather on Ihor's chin and, and put him out of his misery and knocked him out, um, which was not an early stoppage at all. Uh, again, these are some big dudes, and it felt like Ihor, although you know maybe was thinking, "Hey, I need to conserve some energy. I don't want to blow my load here. I don't want to completely empty the gas tank because 
this is a big individual. I don't know what's going to happen. And you almost wish he would have emptied it a little bit more, maybe showed a little bit more violence, made it more obvious for the judge. But all you got to do is give him a little wiggle room. Again, if you're the guy that's eating all these punches, if you're moving, if you're looking intelligent, as a as a ref, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there. Give me a reason to get you out of there. And Hidalfo did that to Ihor. So, again, both guys had glimpses of awesome striking, uh, bad defense. Uh, but when it was all said and done, Hidalfo is a savage, able to dig deep. And this is somebody we might be talking a lot about here. Uh, again, he did come from the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, his only loss is to another stud Brazilian. So if he can put some of the defensive things together and maybe focus up, someone we're hearing a lot more of, brother. But what are your thoughts on it? I know you wanted to sway me. Talk to me now. So, I mean, I, I just I feel like um, in this fight for Rodolfo Bellato versus Ihor Polteria, I just I thought the fight could have been stopped at least three to four times. Um. Truly, I, I feel like the fight could have been stopped at least three to four times in, in favor of Ihor. Uh, I thought he did enough to get the stoppage. He was just going to pound town on, on his opponent, quite frankly. And it was, uh, I mean, it was not pretty. It was not fun to watch. He was getting the crap beat out of him to the point to where afterwards, after the fight, he was interviewed and he even said himself, he didn't know what happened. Probably because he was heavily concussed in that fight. He got the crap beat out of him. Um, his head was bouncing off the mat. I literally, pretty sure I saw him go to sleep twice in that fight. Uh, eyes rolled in the back of his head, head bounced off the mat. And I mean, crazy good recovery time. Came back, was able to get the TKO over Ihor. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I thought that this was Ihor's fight to to lose and, and the ref didn't do him any favors. Yeah, I would agree. It definitely was not consistent treatment throughout the entire card. And there are different judges involved. Uh, sometimes these things happen. Again, it is the human error. These things, it's a literal judgment call. Like he has to be the one to determine, make that determination. And yeah, like you said, I mean, he was getting poured on uh, in terms of the strikes in that first round. Ihor landed over 42 uh, strikes, 37 of them being significant to uh Rodolfo's you know 18 significant strikes so it definitely was one-sided and uh again it's tough right I, I think you either gotta be crystal clear about it right like you said like okay maybe after or okay hey you give him one freebie uh but that second time around if he gets into a, a similar position maybe even just for the best interest of the fighter maybe I'm gonna be a little bit quicker on the draw that second time around especially if it's in the same round Right. Maybe he gets back up. OK, so be it. But then you get dropped again and now you're getting pummeled and there's some hard shots. You're on the up against the fence. I might be a little bit quicker that second time around. Right. Fool me once. That's on me. Um, but yeah, it did feel like not enough consistency on the judges there. I'm sure Dana White will have some things to say about it or at a minimum. I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's going to be a talking point, unfortunately, coming out of this weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's just a, a number of times where the fight could have been stopped, and it's a shame because I think both fighters took unnecessary damage as a result, and maybe the wrong fighter won as a result, too. Uh, that being said, I, I, I don't think we need to pick who's next for Rodolfo Bellato. I don't think that that was the most impressive win for him, uh, other than his kind of, I, I guess, recovery time, call it. Um or ability to get hit back to waking up and have the wherewithal to 
flip position and, and get the finish the way that he did. Um, which none of those strikes were big strikes on Ehor. Um, he was just he basically looked like he was jacking off a ghost, bro. Like he was just um like they they were pitter patter little baby shots. They weren't doing anything. Um and, and I mean it that's the guy that ended up getting the win. What are you doing? So um wasn't necessarily thrilled with that, but I digress. Um good on you. You were able to survive the onslaught of Ehor Plateria, and you got the win uh, on paper. I am more excited to see what Ehor does next. Um, that right hand was an absolute piston. It was firing so quick. Um, yeah, I just think if that kid continues to get sharp, it's he's going to be a problem for a lot of the division. Uh, and I digress. That was one of the more exciting light heavyweight fights we've seen in a very long time. So... Moving forward into the most exciting weight class in the entirety of the, the promotion, the lightweight division, we had Drakkar Close coming in against good old smoking Joe Selecki. Um, Joe Selecki did exactly what he needed to do right away. Shot for the takedown. I thought for sure, like, oh, man, beginning of the end here, guys. Uh, this guy's going to absolutely get it done. He's going to just sap the muscles and, and striking power of his opponent in Drakkar Close and uh, slowly but surely get that win. I was wrong. Uh, that is simply not what happened. Um, instead, Drakkar Close got a crazy little uh, reversal, got got top position. He, I believe, was about to get armbarred, and we saw... Oh, boy. We saw something we haven't seen uh, in a very, very long time. We saw something that we haven't seen done since... Uh, I don't know. Rampage Jackson did it in like the pride days. We saw a crazy slam knockout. Um, Nano, tell the people what your instant reaction was to that, because they already saw my reaction live to it last night. I think um, <laughs> that's right. That's or right. No, never mind. That was, that was the preliminary card. So no, they didn't see my live reaction to it, but I mean, you're Ooh. hearing, I mean, I was stunned. It was wild. Um, yeah, it was it wild, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably I, screamed, I think I screamed out loud. Yeah, I think some of it, a lot of people, I mean, my initial reaction is, oh, he's going to get armbarred. And then as soon as you see him lift up, and honestly, I feel like we've seen this. I mean, you and you tell me if it's like an over under, maybe we've seen this at least like 10 times over the last few years, like in terms of someone in an armbar and someone going to try to like break out of it and slam their I mean, opponent on the ground. We've seen them attempt to do that a, like a few a handful of times in the last 10 years, but I mean like not to this succession and not to the point of them getting knocked out like this. I mean like Drakkar close I guess senseless. Yeah, I guess Andrade got thug rose, but it wasn't an armbar, was it? It was like it, it, um, or was it, it was either an armbar or a triangle choke, an arm triangle. Yeah, but I think it, she, I think it may have been an arm bar. I think it was an arm triangle that she then switched to uh, an arm triangle or vice versa. And then, yeah, but she slammed her like on the top of her head. Like this guy yeah, slammed. Like he slammed Joe all... on the side of his head. Yeah. And you just saw it bounce with concussive force. And you just and know was... his brain probably felt like scrambled eggs. Oh, brother. I mean, yeah, as someone that played a lot of football, I mean, I've been, uh, I guess, side busted or I've been... Um, you know, hit from the side without seeing it, blindsided. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, at practice, even like with no helmets, there's like a drill we were doing one time. I got hit, concussed. But in the game itself, I mean, you know, these things happen. But yeah, this was pretty brutal to watch in terms of seeing him go up, 
knowing that all of his limbs and all of his uh, momentum is leaning up against you know Drakkar's arm, who's then slamming him Hulk style uh, onto back onto the canvas. And yeah, I mean, no cushion. It might have only been a couple feet off the ground, but it doesn't take much to yeah knock you senseless. And yeah, the side of the head. I mean, you see his entire thing bounce like a basketball off the canvas uh, and was immediately out. I'm glad he didn't really need to throw any more successive shots after um, good quick stoppage there by the ref, since we've been talking about that recently. Um, and yeah, I mean, all things were feeling like Joe Selecki was going to find a way to get this one done. It just felt like he was getting the momentum was a little bit sharper on the feet. And then we knew once he was getting him to the ground or in the clinch, that he was going to try to throw something up. And Drakkar, man, talk about a Hail Mary that somehow hits, right? This is what it felt like. It's like watching a Hail Mary pass or a full court basketball shot or a buzzer beater goal. You know, it was one of those moments where you just, oof, your heart goes out to him. I think my face was probably like, just very shocked. And oh my God, oof, <laughs> oh no, oh no, no, <laughs> don't hit him. Okay, okay, he's out, he's out. Uh, yeah, felt bad for Joe Selecki because leading up to that, he looked really good. But um, Jajar Close, man, I mean, hey, great, great win for you. I don't know if I have anything next for you. He um, he did have one of the best call outs after. He did not mention a specific person he wanted to fight. He just said, give me the easiest fight. Give me the easiest fighter. <laughs> I want to make money. <laughs> so I could appreciate that. It, it <laughs> felt very, very resistance. much. It felt very, very much like the DC call out. I don't know if you remember DC doing that, but DC literally did the exact same call out. He, uh, they asked him, who do you want next? And, uh, he's like, I want the easiest fight. I want the easiest fight in the UFC. Give me Ryan Bader. Um, nice. Cause like Ryan Bader kept showing up at the press conversation. Like, I want you DC, blah, blah, blah. And he literally stood up at one point. He's like, dude, I'm gonna tell him, I'm gonna tell him I want the easiest fight. Give me Ryan Bader. And so after he won his next fight, he's like, I want the easiest like fight that. in the UFC. Give me Ryan Bader. Um, and you're, you're almost expecting that. Like, someone to be on the other end of this uh call out but nope it was just uh i just want some money give me the easiest guy period <laughs> that was pretty funny um yeah I, I thought that was absolutely hilarious um I, I was i was really hoping there was going to be another another name attached to it at the end but uh, we didn't get a name so uh a bit bummed about that one but i digress uh it was still a really really fun fight Dracar close he did his thing um, his little, like ex- his excitement to want to land that extra unnecessary strike was comical. I don't really, I don't know why it was so funny to me, but it was very fun. It was very, very funny. The, like it was almost childlike his excitement in there, man. Um, so yeah, um, man, this next one is one that I know, um, you were excited about because you have a kind of a man crush. <sighs> On yeah. Reese, and uh, I know that this probably couldn't have been the funnest thing in the world for you to watch. Nor was reading your text right after about uh, <laughs> how excited you were that that happened, my boy, man. Yes, it was. It was a tough one to watch, and yeah, we did literally just see this happen right before. And what I mean by that is uh, our boy Zachary Reese, the hometown kid, fine in Texas. He came in with a beautiful twelve-gallon cap, man. He just hard not to root for the kid, right? A first fighter in his backyard looking to make a statement. And, you know, boy, he went up against this dude that looks like uh, 
the guy from Saving or uh, oh man, Full Metal Jacket. What's the dude in? Um, I'm gonna yes. give me a second. <laughs> the, but the guy that goes crazy, Full Metal Jacket. You, you know, you movie King fans Pin. are good. Yes, Kingpin. Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. Yes, yes. So this guy goes Full Metal Jacket in there, and uh, yeah. you know, Cody Brundage, man, fine for his life, fine for his UFC career, coming off a couple losses and fighting the golden child here in Zachary Reese. Uh, they had some good exchanges, but to be honest, Cody did look really strong. I mean, he basically just went in there and bulldozed him. Uh, Zach, Zachary was slick. He was looking to find, you know, his way around and found his way to an arm. was going to capitalize. I got excited. And then again, like deja vu. I mean, literally right after we just seen this happen. Sure enough, you see Cody Brundage lift up. You see Zachary holding on to dear life. And then you it paused. And then that meme of, it was at that moment that he realized he fucked up. Boom. <laughs> Zach gets slammed down. Lights are out. <laughs> there goes the dream. There goes my parlay. There goes my man crush. I, f- I think I squealed a little bit like a schoolyard girl because felt like my man got. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. It was bad to watch. Um, you hate to see it. And two in one night. I mean, this was a slam fest. I, I would have. Did not see that coming. I'm speechless, brother. I don't even know what to say. I mean, that slam had me just like that ball just had me. I mean, like I am right now, just in in flux, in a loss of words. I just mean, feeling- look, dude, like his 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 coach is coming back from getting diagnosed with cancer. His grandfather just passed away literally on Thursday. Dude's got a lot of like situational things in life that he can't necessarily fight back against right now, right? So when you can't fight back against these situations in life, and I mean, the most fortunate thing for the young man is that he's a professional mixed martial artist. He's a professional mixed martial arts fighter in the UFC and the largest promotion in the world. And he happened to be on arguably one of the best free fight cards of the year um, against someone that they were trying to feed him to as a name. And he... I mean, he basically, uh, he, he took a, a page out of Dustin Poirier's notebook, you know? Dustin Poirier says it best, 25 minutes to make life fair. A lot of things in life you can't make fair, but in this sport, you got you got 15 to 25 minutes to make life fair against all odds. So he had 15 minutes to make life fair, and I mean, with, with all due respect, it only took a minute and 49 seconds, brother. Uh, so, I hope you poured up a shot. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I think I was keeping count here. This is definitely one that I owe a shot on. And uh, I think, did you, did you Selecki, Joe Selecki? I did. I did. I did Selecki, Joe Selecki. So I'm pulling but also, up too. You, but you also picked Jared Gooden too. I, I was on Wellington. I was Sir Wellington beef. I did. So. I wasn't going to make you, I wasn't going to make you do the Wellington shot. Fair enough. Fair enough. So then we'll start here. I'm not big on beef. So, you know, no, no room for beef Wellington here. Sorry, Gordon. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, brother. And shout out to Chad, Authentic Z, and Jalen. What's up, boys? And all you that are listening and not in the chat, what's up? Love Thanks to see you fellas here. And uh, Miss Mary's definitely silently listening uh, from yes. another state, even. So love you it. love to see that. Um, Absolutely. So moving into this next one, guys. Uh, or, or actually, sorry, I haven't even sorry, I haven't even talked about this one myself. Um, Cody Brundage, folks. Cody Brundage. A lot of folks been saying he don't got that dog in him. A lot of folks been saying you don't got that dog in him, but 
you know if you if you take a seashell and you put it up to your ear you can hear the ocean turns out if you put your ear up to cody brundage you can hear if you listen real hard Oh my gosh, I think he's got that dog in him, folks. Oh, it's a junkyard oh. dog, too. I recognize that bark. He's got that junkyard Scary. dog in him, baby. It was nasty what he did to Zachary Reese. Reese is no scrub. Um, you know, TLC would probably give him a shot because he's no scrub. But boy, Cody made him look like one out there uh, on Saturday night. That guy's an absolute monster in the cage. Um, he landed a total of 12 strikes. His opponent tried to get a sunk up arm bar there. Uh, Cody Brundage said, no, sir, I'm going to put you to sleep and I'm going to show you why I am a UFC fighter and you're the new kid here. Doesn't matter how many wins you have and that you have a big zero next to that win uh, next to the, the loss category there. That O had to go and he made sure it did. Uh, Cody Brundage, man. Again, what an absolute beast. I was very, very impressed with this young man on Saturday night. Um, I think if he continues to fight with that dog in him, he will have a lot of success in the UFC. He is one of the like nicer guys in the UFC, in my opinion, from what I've seen in interviews and heard in interviews. And more often than not, the nice guys don't typically do very well in the UFC or in mixed martial arts because you have to have that that nastiness in you, right? And I think we saw that nastiness maybe for the first time in him on Saturday night. I'd like to see more of that. Um, oh, man. So... I have two names on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to give you the chance to go first here. Um, and I'm curious to see kind of how far up the ladder you go with yours. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I may not be going that high, brother. I'm probably still low on, on uh, the ground surface here when I'm looking at this really stacked middleweight division, brother. I mean, there are guys that still aren't even ranked. Someone like a... If you're going to do it one way, do it Joe Pfeiffer's way um, as I mean, a big name, but some of that still is not even in the top 15 yet. Um, maybe someone like that or Brad Tavares. I mean, there are a lot of fun names. Michelle Pereira. Stop. Are you saying Joe Pfeiffer? <sighs> Joe Pfeiffer was on my short list. Really? Yeah, he's on my top three. Because it could potentially be like kind of a you know an eliminator dog fight, fight on who can yeah dog definitely fight. dog fight definitely dog fight it'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a dog fight and a, and a fifteen eliminator exactly um, I think exactly whoever that. would win that fight would would replace whoever number fifteen is on the on the top fifteen at that given moment which um, is Anthony the, Hernandez as of now Fluffy who's yeah. and I think that that's a good name to, but, to replace I like Fluffy Hernandez I think he's a fantastic fighter but inactive for the most part here and uh, pretty inconsistent in what he has done. Uh, I mean, like recently he got the win over Edmund Shabazian. He got the win over Marc-Andre Barrio and he got the win over Josh Frem. Um, two out of three of those names are okay. And the other name is pretty inconsistent in his own right. So, I mean, I'd like to see him stay more consistent. I'd like to see him fight a little bit more often. And I'd like to see, uh, honestly, I mean, like that wouldn't be a bad fight for him. Anthony Hernandez, if we wanted to pole vault him into the top 15 and see what he's made of. But Outside of that, uh, the other two names that I had on my list here are if Kelvin Gaslam decides that he wants to go back to middleweight, that'd be a fun matchup for him. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam versus the little pit bull that we saw out there um, in Cody Brundage or Andre Muniz. I like I think that that's a lot. another really fun matchup. Yeah, Andre Muniz. I mean, 
serve up Cody Brennage against another jujitsu guy. You did have some brash comments against jujitsus. He said, well, against BJJ. He said, um, that doesn't belong in the UFC. Coming from a wrestler, I get you got to love it a little bit there. Love uh, mixing it up. That's what he said. He says, no place for it here. Which, I mean, I guess you can make a case when someone tries to rip your arm off and you rip their face out of their, rip their soul out of their body. <laughs> rip their face against the canvas. So, yeah, Pretty all things considered. argument to make. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, might have a point there, brother. <laughs> I might need to listen. You know? Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I think we're we're both in agreement on that one. Uh, as far as yeah. Zachary Reese, we're not gonna we're not gonna play matchmaker for the young man just because he didn't get the win. Uh, he didn't look bad out there for sure. He didn't look bad out there, but at the same time, um, I, I don't think we need to play matchmaker for him. I'd like to see him fight somebody outside of the top twenty-five. Um, give this kid a chance to grow. I'd like to see him get one more shot inside of the UFC octagon because I did. I, though he didn't get the win, I didn't think he looked terrible out there. I thought he looked pretty darn good. Uh, mm-hmm. until the fight was over for as long as it lasted. Um, so it was a, it was a freak thing. I mean, I, I think you do reward Cody and you know, you reward your car close for a phenomenal finish. You give him the 50 K and maybe you do open up that door a little bit for them, but you don't necessarily discredit the opponents. It's kind of a freak thing. I mean, yes, they're technically knocked out TKO'd, but it's almost like an injury where it's like, all right, you know, not an ideal performance. We're not going to give you that next boost, but you know, you're going to probably stay on the same playing field. You're not getting demoted for that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. Um, so moving into the next fight here, um, I've I've been sipping on my my chaser like it's just you know delicious soda like it is instead of a chaser. So I'm gonna have to run to the kitchen and grab uh, some more of that because. There you go. Uh, Pretty sure I bet on Julia Avila here. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead and tell the people how you felt about Misha Tate's performance on Saturday. Oof, boy, Misha Tate. I mean, what a performance. And what a throwback to a vintage Misha Tate. I mean, if you wanted to see somebody have the ability to rewind the clock and showcase a version of themselves that you might have seen a decade ago, that's what Misha Tate did on Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely dominant. Right from the jump, I don't think it took more than five seconds for Misha Tate to get in the center of the octagon and to shoot forward and to uh, try to take Julia down. And boy, she did that and she did it often. Uh, She did it again and again and again. Uh, It was just all around an absolute clinic. I mean, starting in that first round, she got the takedown, only needed one of them. And from that top position, controlling for, I guess, maybe what, four minutes of that of it. Landed 50 strikes, uh, 16 of them being significant. And it just really felt like Julia was just swimming in quicksand. I mean, she had no answer for Misha Tate's pressure uh, in terms of the technique itself. I'm sure this is probably where Mad Max's expertise would be really uh, vital to break down a little bit more what she was doing. But it just feels like something about like the pressure like up on the shoulder, up in uh, you know the, the head and neck area to kind of keep her from moving anywhere along with, I mean, just her placement. I mean, I just felt like to me that Misha looked really strong as well. Uh, And and again, when you have fundamentals and you're probably just a bit stronger than the person in there, then just, they're not going to have an answer, right? They're not going to have, and if you're not giving them that out, 
I mean, what are you going to do? Right. And that's exactly what we saw was Misha laying on top of Julia for 15 minutes. Uh, like I said, she landed 50 strikes in the first round. She landed 69 in the second round. Again, only needing one chance at that takedown. And then finally got the uh, submission there early in the third, which again, it, it was just, it was a clinic. I mean, Misha Tate looked like the vintage and um, the hall of famer that we're going to be seeing here. And someone that is very exciting to watch and just has all the skills and all the makings of a champion, even at this stage in your career. That was really exciting. And what impressed me the most. Um, and man, I mean, she looked good. And, you know, as uh, Lawrence Senko would say, that dump trunk was dumping. So I'm going to end it there. And curious to hear your thoughts, brother. Going to go ahead and jump in the chat here real quick. Um, Authentic Z throwing out Misha domination at what? 38? Hmm. Dope to see her winning in this era. I completely agree, Z. I think uh, it, it's always fantastic when we do get the chance to see, you know, the the kind of champ, not even champions of yesteryear, but the the contenders of yesteryear um, beating up and comers of of this year of these days, right? Um, and you would think that I maybe would have, I don't know, bet on Misha Tate instead of betting against her here, but uh, I digress. What ended up happening? bet against her uh if you look to my left here right above me that's misha tate in that in that poster right there <laughs> so um got her on the wall still bet against her and that's why uh we drink so you know this is what we do i get it wrong so i pay the price uh, while I'm doing this, though, I will go ahead and let you know, I thought this was arguably one of Misha Tate's best performances in the past five years. Um, she looked better than she usually does. And uh, that's that's really, truly saying something here, guys. Um, she's an absolute beast. She landed 127 total strikes to her opponent's 11. So I think Z said it best. Domination. Um, just absolute domination from pillar to post from bell to bell and she made it look easy guys uh, she got the submission a minute and 15 seconds into round three and up until that submission with all due respect i feel like she was playing with her with her prey I feel like she was playing with her food here um it, it was she, she, again she just made it too easy she made it extremely easy uh to to just enjoy the onslaught that she put on. So I'm here for it. If Misha Tate really wants to continue fighting at this point in her career, um, I'm here to watch. And if these are the types of performances that she's going to be putting on again, I'm here to watch. And not only that, but I'm probably here to enjoy, uh, what is next for Misha Tate now though? It's, you know, we're talking about the Bantamweight division here for the women. There's a lot of different places that this can go, but since uh, you got it right, I'm going to let you take the lead on this, and uh, I'm going to do the shot out, because as we like to say here on the MMA Anomaly Show, no filter, a debt made, a debt. I love that, brother, and I'm pouring my shot up as well, because as you also know around here, we don't let our friends do shots alone, so salute to Misha Tate, and this is just me giving her flowers, because absolutely incredible, and I think she's earned... I think she earned uh, a bone here. Pardon me as I take my shot. I think she needs to run it back with somebody that she beat back in 2016. I think that she needs to go in there and fight 
not not someone of of the todays. Okay, Misha Tate's a Hall of Famer. She needs to fight someone of the yesterdays. That makes you want to say yay. Okay, I'm talking about someone that's ranked fifth in this bantamweight division. That is wide open with no Amanda Nunes. I'm talking about a Holly Holmes. On UFC 300, Misha Tate, Holly Holmes, baby, sign me up. UFC Dana White wants it. The people want it. That's a fun stylistic fight, ladies and gentlemen. Two of the greatest women. Let me just say, let me take, let me backtrack. Two of the baddest mother effers to ever do it, period. Sign me up. Oh, I see, I see your lips moving, but I don't. I don't. Talk to me, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Jive Turkey. Give it up. Man is man is alive. He's live and jiving right now, man. Uh, and you love to see it. Uh, where are we at? Where are we at with the turkey sounds? Jamie, Jamie, can you go up the turkey sounds? Oh, we got the whole squad in here today. Let's go. We chirping. Let's go. We chirping. Turkey squad. Um, so, I mean, look, dude. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I think it's a fun fight that you're throwing out there. I'm going to go a completely different direction, as you know I like to do, because uh, it's in the name here. MMA Anomaly. MMA. Mixed Martial Arts. Anomaly. Something that's a little bit different. Uh, So, I'm going to go with somebody that's unranked. I'm going to go with Ronda Rousey. I think one final fight, Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey in the comeback... For all the marbles. Wow. Wow. I didn't know we were talking people off the roster. You know that's a damn good one. At UFC 300? Is that what you're thinking? Yes, dude. Ooh. How'd you know? I mean, brother, that's the only thing. That's the only Bro. way. Sean Shelby and them looking for Ronda like... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you oh got to know that WWE is not going to be mad at them sharing roster. They're part of the same team these days, folks. Oh, baby. She's only 36 years old. I just Google searched Ronda Rousey's name just to see what buzz is going around. According to TMZ, as of two days ago, she's not joining AEW, which I'm assuming is a wrestling organization. It's the rival organization of WWE that is owned by Tony Khan. I don't mm. know why I know that. <laughs> uh, that's a fun fact, ladies and gentlemen. But Owen's full of them. Um, so, hey, I mean, not re-signing in the WWE. That could potentially open a door for the UFC. I mean, hey, you could focus on being a mom, but all you need is an eight-week camp. What are you thinking, brother? I'm, I'm thinking exactly <sighs> what I'm pointing to. Ronda Rousey versus Misha Tate. Ooh. Uh, I would be fine with either one. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Let's get it. Let's get it. I'm, I want it, dude. I want it so bad. That's a good That's one. What I That's a good one. I'm excited about that one. I think that one would be a lot of fun. Um, and with that being said, man, that is. That's it. That's it for the preliminary card. And now it's time to move into the main card. It's time for Pruda Haley Soriano versus Dustin Stoltzfus. My gosh. Dude, um, we took the under on this one, and we were wrong. Uh, I think we... Did we both take Puna Haley Soriano on this one? 
Yeah, and I think most of America did. Okay, he was a heavy favorite, and Dustin was coming off. I think he's one in five or one in four in his five fights in the UFC. So, do you know who the one was over? One of my uh, one of my favorite coaches at American Kickboxing Academy that I trained with, Dwight Grant. Oh, jeez, it sucks know that. to see it, uh, but. That Dwight hurts. rocked him like twice before he got knocked out. Uh, Dwight oh is also just one of those guys who, I mean, you know, you know, one, one thing about Dwight that you got to know is Dwight's going to throw. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe to a fault. So. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> if you haven't seen that fight, I would actually highly recommend watching that fight. Do a quick, uh, you know, rewind there. And, uh, you know. Go, go get a load of that one on UFC Fight Pass. It was a fantastic time. And with that being said, a bet made, a debt paid. Man, Boy. it's going to be a long night. <laughs> yes. Great performance, Dustin. And not much more I need to say other than he was able to weather the storm. I thought those shots were going to be too much for him, but he ate them like, um, I don't know, like a snack and kept it moving and put it on. Uh, Soriano, man. I mean, he actually won that, that end of the first round, although he was losing for four minutes and 59 seconds. I do feel like, and I say that because he dropped Soriano, Dustin did, right at the end of the first round, which yeah, it feels like, although someone can be winning or drop someone in the beginning, if I'm going to score it one way, I think I'm going to give the 10 9 to. Dustin in that scenario because he did it towards the end of the round. Like he was the one picking up steam and was able to come back and and hurt Soriano, right? There's something about doing it later in the fight to me. If you if you have to pick someone, right? I mean, unless you just judge that a 9-9, which I don't think you would really do, right? If you have to give the 10, maybe you give to Dustin because he ended the best. He was able to drop his opponent. So he stole that round, in my opinion. And then he came back and didn't eat, left the judges out of it and Found a way to use that submission game that's phenomenal. And hey, he's a he's a savvy veteran with some skills. And it's any anyone anything can happen, right? I thought Soriano had the puncher's ability, but yeah, he obviously needs to hit the drawing board a little bit. And and Dustin's he's a guy, man. He's here to stay, brother. We definitely were maybe disrespecting him a little too much here. So not sure what's next, but definitely earned his his uh seat at the table, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think everything that you said is 100% on point, on par. Um, the the one kind of caveat that I would add to that or, or extra layer to the onion that I would add to that is, you know, this was truly a matchup on paper of power versus power, right? But in the octagon, it turned out to actually not be that, that much of that, right? It ended up in, in turn being power versus volume. Because one man literally threw twice as many strikes. Uh, he threw 140 strikes compared to 76 of his opponent. And that's why he landed 78 compared to 33 from his opponent, right? So you had uh, Dustin Stolzfus literally throw almost twice as many strikes. And he landed a little more than twice as many strikes. And that's also the same case with significant strikes landed and thrown, right? 123 significant strikes thrown, 73 significant strikes thrown for Punaheli Soriano. So I, I've you've heard me make this analogy probably a long time ago when we both worked for Yelp on the corporate side. Um, 
I guarantee I made this exact analogy. I think after the first time you came over and watched fights at my place. Uh, and that, that analogy is this was the case of the Hemi versus the Prius, right? And we're not talking about a quarter mile here. We're not talking about even a mile. We're talking about a world race. We're talking about essentially a long fight. Um, the Prius doesn't have the acceleration of the, the Dodge Ram with the Hemi. It also doesn't have the top speed of the Dodge Ram with the Hemi. But what it does have is a much more efficient engine and a much more efficient gas tank just in general. And another thing that it has is it's uh, it's a little bit lighter on its uh, on its wheels in that case of the cars. In this case, uh, a little bit lighter on their feet is Dustin Stoltzfus. Now, he threw his strikes with less kind of like pressure and stress behind them. Um, I will tell you this about myself. You already know this. Some of the listeners might not know this. I competed in one tournament. It was a Muay Thai tournament. I was in the beginner's wing, obviously, because it was my one fucking tournament. Uh, went against a guy that I know for a fact had like four years more experience than me. I got wrecked. He was also like 32, 34 pounds heavier than me. Uh, there was a 35 pound gap between the the beginners, different weight classes. And uh, with my equipment on, I weighed in at the very bottom with his shorts on. He weighed in uh, at the very top. So it was, uh, it was not the best day in the world for me if I'm... Being completely honest. But I digress. Um, I learned a lot that day. Uh, and and the time leading up to that and the years after that, I've trained since that as well. And one of the things that I've learned is it's not necessarily the prettiest strikes or the best strikes that end up succeeding or winning fights. Oftentimes, more often than not, it's the more relaxed striker or fighter that wins these things. Now, because it was my first tournament. No disrespect to my opponent in, in the only tournament I was in. Um, no, for a fact, it wasn't his first fucking rodeo, kids. <laughs> I just, I'm going to call a spade a spade here. Um, my boy helped me warm up. I was gassed uh, before the fight even started, to be honest, because I think I overdid it in warm-ups, which if you've ever fought, you know that as a new fighter, this is something that happens. Um, and I learned that, right? Like, I don't think that I'm like the buffest guy in the world, but I do think that I like am large for the the weight class that I was in. Uh, so seeing Haley Soriano compared to his opponent, Dustin Solsfus, the way that they throw, right? Haley Soriano, he like, like if you're watching the video, if you're only listening to the audio, I apologize. I'll try and do a good job of kind of uh, visually explaining this audibly. But essentially right now, like I'm literally flexing. Right. So you can see my forearm tensed up. You can see my my bicep tensed. This is how Puneli Soriano fights. He's literally flexed and tensed the whole time. He's here. And the this is fucking exhausting. It sucks. That's how I was in my tournament. It was the worst. Like after like three minutes, I'm like <sighs> It's, it's not a good feeling, bro. I can feel my heart pounding out of my chest. But like, not to mention the first 10 seconds, the guy hit me so hard with a leg kick, my knee bounced off the mat, and I can't plan on my lead leg. Like, it's it's just the worst feeling in the world, feeling like you're on one leg. I felt like peg leg Pete, bro. I, I should have been in a, a fucking leading a ship, not fighting in a fucking Muay Thai tournament. I had a peg leg. Uh, so I digress, man. Puna Haley Soriano, this guy, he, he just fights so, so tensed up. While Dustin Soltzfus, he's 
he's loose and he's he's very elusive right and do you know what the what what a main part of the word elusive is i already said it spoiler alert loose right he's very loose in his movements he's very untensed so what that means is he's he's able to roll with punches and that's why Punaheli Suriano, I mean, even though he threw 76 strikes, he landed at a 43% clip, which is solid. I think the man usually throws more, even with those hemi-like muscles, right? Like, yeah, he, he like muscles up and throws a lot. But it's also defeating when you're throwing these shots. And even when you're hitting, you don't feel like they're doing a ton of damage because the guy's somewhat rolling with it. He's very loose. Um, think of a car accident, right, Nano? When how many times have you heard this or seen this in a news a newscast or read on a newspaper that studies show in car crashes if you are asleep or drunk you're more likely to survive than if you're sober or awake because your body rolls with everything what's the main root of that you're loose you're not fighting against it. you're not holding on to the steering wheel and fighting back the, the sudden stop, the whiplash, that's what happens. That's what that's what hurts you. So when you're fighting back, when you're tensing up, this is something that Nick and Nate Diaz, in my humble opinion, did the best in their heyday in the UFC. And, and even in that Jake Paul fight for Nate Diaz, when he was eating these shots, if you're throwing a right hook, right, he's he's literally seeing it coming and he's rolling his face before it even connects. So that way it looks, I mean, visually, it looks like a fucking Rocky movie because he's like, right? He's, he's like throwing his head sideways. And there were times where he went into the ropes, but there wasn't a lot of times where old, our old boy Nate was actually in danger's way, right? Um, so I think that that's something that Dustin Stoltzfus, even though he doesn't have the, the most winningest record in the UFC, something that he's done well. Uh, and by golly, it's something that I'm excited to see him continue to do. So he got it done. Uh, middleweight is, uh, it's a pretty solid division. In my opinion, it's nowhere near the, the caliber of lightweight. Obviously, is there a name that you have on the tip of your tongue here for him? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, no, I mean, that's the thing. Middleweight, like we were just talking about, I mean, the top 25 is a complete murder's row, you know, and we're talking about people that are already knocking on that door. Uh, so for me, I think at this stage in, in Dust, Dustin's career, you know, anyone's game, right? You can look at some older savvy veterans, people that have been around the block and uh, maybe coming off a loss or even coming off a win as well uh, to kind of give them both a reward. But nobody off the top of my head, brother, unless you have someone. I mean, kind of similar names, like I mentioned last time, like a Michelle Pereira or Brad Tavares, people that have uh, been around the block but have come off wins as well. Or always people that I'd like to gravitate or match up against someone else that just recently got a win. What do you think, brother? Any thoughts there? Yeah, so I actually do have a couple of names here on the tip of my tongue. The main name that I have here on the tip of my tongue is Bruno Fajeda. Um He's the guy that fought against Gregory Rodriguez, RoboCop. I just think that's a fun matchup. Uh, I think both guys match up really well against each other. Both like to move forward with kind of reckless abandon and throw kind of big shots. Uh, but 
as I stated, Dustin is uh, a little bit more lightweighty with his movement. So I'm here for it. I think that's a, a solid match. And other than that, um, the other name that I have on the tip of my tongue here is, uh, and nobody's going to like this in the chat if anybody's listening right now live, but Chris Weidman. Ooh, okay, okay. Is Weidman fully back, or or what are we thinking? I thought Dana didn't want to see him fight anymore. Yeah, I mean, Dana said that about a lot of people that have fought. <laughs> so, like, with all due respect, <laughs> let's just call his fate a spade here. Um, if, if we want Weidman to have another fight, if Weidman wants to have another fight, and if we want Weidman to have a winnable fight, this is probably the one, dude. Yeah, it's not a bad one, brother. I mean, he's making a name for himself, obviously getting this win last Saturday, and maybe Chris will send that dotted line. We'll see. It's a good call out. And uh rare occasion, this this next fight was a legends fight. I'm gonna let Nano do the whole lead in and fighter names and just tell us tell us your fucking breakdown, Nano. How'd you feel about this next fight? Let's go. Appreciate it, brother. Breaking down, like you said, a legend fight here with my guy, Clay Guida. Short hair, Clay, that is. Not, uh, you know, Tarzan length hair, Clay Guida. Squaring off against a Joaquin Silva. And this was a fun 15 minutes, man. It, uh, Clay Guida did have his chances. He had some moments. Uh, but overall, Joaquin Silva was able to use his youth, able to use his strength, uh, his ability to, you know, withstand the barrage of takedown attempts that Clay which, again, I gave him props, man, in the second, third round. Throwing him out there, doing the best he could, but just wasn't getting the success he was looking for. He was eating shots constantly. But, you know, Clay Guida, man, at this age, to have that kind of chin, to be able to weather that kind of storm uh, and still look that competitive, really, I think, to me, was probably more impressive uh, than Joaquin Silva winning this fight. And what I mean by that is Joaquin... Uh, just didn't look dominant enough. You know, he he gave Clay too many opportunities. This is a grizzled veteran. I know it's someone that is hard to put away. However, it's not impossible. I mean, he's he's an older veteran that, you know, if you're trying to make a name, you do so by coming out aggressive, coming out with violence and and trying to get him out of there sooner than later. Uh, or like we like to say around here, you know, you don't play with your food. You know, you get, you get in, you get out. It's all business and you take care of it. But it just felt like, you know, Joaquin... Flashes look good, but not necessarily great. You know, the, he's in a lightweight division that has a lot of talent. I mean, yes, he did just fight Armand Sarukin, who absolutely balled out in the main event. But other than that, I mean, he and he he looked okay there, but again, just looks okay here. I, to me, I don't know what you do next with them. I guess it's just one of those things where, you know, it's I don't think he's earned that spot, earned the uh let me take a step back. I don't think he earned the right to like take a stab at the top 15. Joaquin Silva is not deserving a top 15 shot yet. Thank you, brother. I got you, brother, with the rewind. Um, I, I don't think he's uh, deserving of a top 15 shot yet either. And I mean, oh man, it's hard. When I let you lead in and you're so damn good of a co-host because like you just you, you basically steal all my thunders why I usually take the lead uh, because, you know, I can't have you fucking stealing the left, the, the red side, you know, uh, <laughs> 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 so um, 
Uh, that being said, I, I think everything that you said was 1000% on point here. I, I think Joaquin Silva, though he looked good in the fight, he didn't look great in the fight. Um, and again, this is the MMA anomaly show, no filter. And we like to call spades spades here. Okay. Clay, the carpenter Guida. I don't know if you guys know this, but he's, he's 41 years old. Okay. Um, he went in there against Nito BJJ, Joaquin Silva, and uh, Nito. Uh, he's uh, well, Joaquin Silva. He's fantastic, but he's he's also thirty four years old. That's a fan, that's a phenomenal difference as far as mixed martial arts years, like let like regular years. Not a big difference at all. MMA years. That's pretty tough. Um, so we're, we're we're talking about. We're talking about quite a bit of a difference here. And uh, Guida, as Authentic Z pointed out in the chat, shout out Authentic Z, guys. Give him a follow on Twitch, at Authentic Z. Guida is mentally 22 years old. Um, If you were tuned in last night to the live stream watch along here, be honest with you guys. I said it then. I'll say it again, folks. I literally get tired watching Guida. He's not even like not even fighting, just doing like what he does in the background. Like for those of you that aren't watching, like if you've ever seen Mad TV, when Phil Lamar does the UPS guy, oh whoa, I got I got your package here. Um, that's how Clay Guida fights, and that's what I was doing videographically uh so <laughs> I, i'm for sure uh, this that is not a word I'm, I'm looking over here in a dictionary like where are you can't see it i'm so sorry uh, <laughs> so guys clay guida is an absolute monster of a man here he is uh he's just an absolute beast and he's also 41 years old and of, of all the times that I've seen this man come out and do the damn thing, right? Like, I've seen him come out a, a great number of times. But can we just all admit here that him coming out, I don't know, I'm sure you heard that sound. That was a beautiful sound of the Coca-Cola opening. It's one of the best sounds in the world. It's a nostalgic sound. It's solid. It's solid. It's such a good sound. Uh, ASMR. This is now an ASMR podcast. <laughs> but... Him walking out to Pantera's walk, um, pun intended. Like, it's arguably one of the best songs in rock and roll history. Um, Fun fact. I went to a concert with Andrea KGB Lee, who is a UFC fighter. Uh, It took place in Dallas, Texas. We drove from Bossier City, Louisiana, and it was headlined by Avenged Sevenfold. A Treyu and Bullet for My Valentine. And they had like six other bands that came out from like Japan and other countries. And um shout out to one of the Japanese bands because they like came out and instead of a bass, like homie came out in a white suit and he played a cello. And the lead singer was super smashed. And um he was slurring all of his words. I still listen to like two of their songs though, to this day. To this day! To um, this day. To this day. Uh, so, you know, we, we love him. Shout out Muck from Japan. M-U-K-K, I think it is. Uh, but anyways, I digress. 
bro, Avenged Sevenfold, okay? They were the headliners of the Taste of Chaos tour. And uh, I kid you not, we're there, they're doing their thing, and at one point, the front man of this band, and like they were, this was like the height of Avenged Sevenfold. This is when they first got popular, like back when MTV played music videos, dog. Like they were playing three of theirs at this time. The golden um, days. The golden days, brother. So he comes out there and uh, they all had like biblical names, the people in the band. So Matt Shadows, the lead singer, he grabs the mic and he's like, this is the most pathetic mosh pit I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm going to play this next song. And if you know the words, you better fucking sing along and you better be smashing if you're in the mosh pit. And if you don't know the words, kindly get the fuck out. And um, they played the they played the song that Clay Guida walked out to on Saturday night, <laughs> and that is Pantera's "Walk," right? Like respect. Walk. What do you say? Uh, it's just one of the most intense songs in the fucking world, right? Like, can't you hear the violins playing your song? I mean, it's just one of the most metal and just like every time I hear that song, I genuinely feel like I either need to punch a bag or punch a person. Um, Hopefully it's Saturday. So they're sparring. Otherwise, your boy's getting in trouble. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Dude, I was listening to that song right now. Oh, my gosh. Dude. I mean, like to put it into perspective, guys, the album that this song is from is literally called a vulgar display of violence. And I have a Twitter post that. Thank you. I have a Twitter post of I think it's uh, John Jones punching Alexander Gustafson's face. And it's that exact frame. They basically oh recreated gosh. the Pantera album cover. I'll have to post it up after this with a clip here. Um, he's he's got to really be getting punched in the face there, right? Oh, dude, facts. Yeah. Like, oh my that's, God. A, that's from a mosh pit, I think, from one of their concerts. Um, and if you want to see an even crazier song, uh, Nano, you're going you're gonna to stay in this podcast after we wrap up today. And I'm going to have you play this so that way you can see it live. Um, they did a tour and, uh, they have one of the craziest crowds I've ever seen in my entire life. And they did this song called domination. Rest in peace to Dimebag Daryl. One of the greatest guitarists that ever lived. He invented different styles of guitar, uh, for metal. And, um, like it got so out of hand at this concert, they sent cops in and the, the front man from the band was like, there's more of you than there are of them. Fuck these cops up. It was wild, bro. Like, there were tens of thousands of people in this thing, it felt like. It was just waves of people. Uh, and Dimebag Darrow, of course, is known for smoking a dime bag before he goes out and performs. He's an absolute beast. Um, back when there was a major stigma around the plant. And uh, again, rest in peace, Dimebag Darrow, bro. You died doing what you love. You're an absolute beast. And uh, jumping back into the fights, Pantera. This guy walked out to Pantera. The only thing that was possibly more epic than this fight was the walkout by Clay mother effing Guida, folks. The guy, the man, the myth, the legend, 41 years old. He came out there and he went 15 minutes with a young stud in his 30s. Okay. And uh, let's hear it for Authentic Z in the chat again. We don't love Guida. We love his chin. Are you kidding me? 
Um, I would the only thing I would disagree with here is we do fucking love Guida, but we also love that Chen, bro. The Chen just gets a separate layer of love. Oh man, I just I absolutely loved this fight. This fight was money in the bank. Uh if there was ever a money in the bank fight, this is it. Okay, this was such a good fight. This was such a fun fight. Uh, 63 to 85 total strikes landed. Let's talk about significant strikes, shall we? No, no, let's talk about fucking significant strikes. Let's talk about 43 to 46. Let's talk about a three strike difference. Oh, and let's talk about the fact that the guy was, that that was, you know, like what, what, I don't know, six, seven years older. Let's talk about the guy that was seven years older throwing fucking 40 plus more strikes. Oh, oh, it's like me versus it. you, oh. doggy. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> she. <laughs> Come on. Hey, he was moving, baby. Like me, myself, and Irene. He was out there. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you saw the live stream. We made that reference last night during did the fight. <laughs> nice. I literally, I did the me, myself, and Irene. Like, yeah, we, we made the reference. That's uh, solid. Great reference. Great reference. I need Very accurate. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so that being said, I don't. I don't know that I have a name that's next for Joaquin Silva. Um, we typically reserve these for like the biggest winners of the fight. Oh my god! I I, I saw like one word in the chat, and I, I want to go to it, but I don't want to go to it. But we have to go to it. Authentic Z. Anyone else saddened by the fact that we have a balding Guida now? Tear. This guy is going to be fighting in his 50s. Bro, he's going to be fighting in his fucking 60s. I think they're pretty much lining up the fight for a 61-year-old versus a 75-year-old Chuck Liddell. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we were, again, we were talking about this in the live stream last night. Like, Dan from Best Fight Picks, shout out, I think it's at Best Fight Picks on uh, Twitter. Dan Dan Levy is, is hella funny. And he did... Uh, a lot of my homies, the the guys that, you know, convinced me to do International Fight Week this year. Nano, you're doing it next year. I hope you're fucking saving, bro. It's happening, brother. So the fellas at uh, On Topic MMA, shout out On Topic MMA on Twitter. They had Dan Levy on their, uh, their stream on Twitter this week. And he was talking about Guida and he's all, you know, I'm happy to see that he cut his hair. But I, I got to be honest, like the last time he had long hair, we could see his scalp even with the long hair. And like, that's a tough thing to see. And mind you, if you don't know Dan Levy, he's bald as fuck, like Mr. Clean Bald. Waxes his head. If he bends down, you can probably see your reflection because like he's a professional at that shit, dog, with the balding. Um, he, he's got it waxed. It's it's nice. And, and like he he does it. He does, looks good, dude. Like, it's, again, Mr. Clean-esque. So shout out, shout out to, to Dan Levy. Um... But he's this guy straight up lightweight clowned on Clay Guida and was like, you know, look, I've welcomed Clay Guida to the bald man's club numerous times. Um, it's one of those things that you have to embrace when, uh, you know, when, when we can see your head, your whole ass head, you got to just kind of embrace it at some point. You can't you can't just keep waiting. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of laughed out loud at that. I thought that was pretty funny, uh, but. I think Clay Guida would look like a straight fucking badass if he did like 
straight shave the head all the way down, like straight razor shave, and then just kept the beard. I think he'd look like a fucking like like a lightweight Spartan. And I do mean a lightweight Spartan. He fights at the lightweight division, folks. <laughs> Nice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh I, I think it'd be a good luck for him. I agree. Um, did you have another fight for, for Joaquin Silva lined up or nah? Nah, forget about See, it. I, I forget about it. I didn't feel like he was one of the bigger winners. Talking about bigger winners here, we gotta move into this next fight here, guys. Um the uh the, the absolute just domination. Of Kelvin Gaslam from from pillar to post against Sean Brady. Who did we have in the? Did we both have Kelvin Gaslam in this one? Yeah, point to my shot, brother. Because uh, it was a bad night, dude. It was a bad night, man. <laughs> it, was it was a bad, a bad night, night for pigs. I honestly think that, like, I'm gonna I'm just gonna change the music real quick because I feel like it's nest. It's as as Jorge Masvidal would say. It is uh, absolutely necessary. necessary, super necessary here. Turn up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fight fans of all ages, shapes, and sizes. Um, we got to call it like it is here at the No Filter Podcast because we are called No Filter. This was probably the worst we've ever done on picks collectively um is there's not like there's oftentimes weeks where one of us will win and one of us will lose again let's call a spade a spade it typically that's how it works because <laughs> as hive-minded as we are we will go against each other very often more often than not uh so it's very often that one of us will win and one of us will lose um but as as michael chandler likes to say one man will fall and one man will rise but the man that falls has to pull himself up from the bootstraps. And I'll see you at the top. And that's typically what we do here at the MMA Anomaly Show No Filter. But goddamn, bro. We are both just falling out of the boat. Hoping to grab onto the sidings. Hoping to pull ourselves back up. <sighs> because it was just a tough, tough night at the office on Saturday. We both lost. Doesn't happen very often. And, uh... I don't know about you, Nano. Nanokins. I don't plan on it happening again. Uh, I think we're going to do better for uh, for the last couple cards of this year. And fuck, man, 2024 is going to be our year. Cheers to that, brother. Oh, you timed that perfectly. Cheers to that. Wow. And we're back. Yeah, I just got to say, I mean, KG got his ass whooped. As we're talking no filter here, brother. I did not expect that. Sean Brady, like you said, he does look like a pit bull, but I underestimated his wrestling capabilities severely. Now, that is on me. <laughs> so, my bad, ladies and gentlemen. I am just a drive turkey. I may act like I know it all, but I don't. I don't know. I'm talking crazy sometimes. But I don't think anyone saw that coming. And I think the one thing that stood out to me was, I think it was Bisbing on the commentary was talking about how he felt that sometimes when you cut weight, although you think usually it's all good, like I'm cutting weight, I'm going up against, up against smaller guys. You're actually losing some of your weight and muscle and just your overall strength as well. And so I think that was kind of the, maybe 
thing that KG Kelvin didn't anticipate. Sean looks strong. I mean, he looked like the dude that what used to be the middleweight that went down to welterweight. I mean, I don't know how he makes that weight and has that much muscle mass. But um, yeah, Kelvin just looked like the smaller, weaker, hesitant, nervous, just was not there that night. It was just not his night, brother. And, and all compliments goes to Sean Brady because he forced that upon him. I mean, right away, grabbing his leg, beating up on him, just finding dominant position after dominant position. Wish I could break it down more than that. Love to hear your thoughts there and maybe what impressed you from Sean Brady and or maybe what didn't impress you with KG or what he needs to go back and work on. But uh, yeah, curious to hear your thoughts, brother. I'm going to go ahead and reiterate my thoughts uh, that I pretty much stated on the, uh, the live stream here. Before I do that, I want to ask, how do you like the different background music I chose here? Is it nice? I like this. Yeah, lo-fi vibes. A little lo-fi vibes. Cool, cool, cool. Just want to make sure you were vibing with it. Um, Money in the bank. Uh, So we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and jump right on into this and uh, just go ahead and go and say it as it is. I called this last night on the live stream and I actually, I went back and rewatched it and I was like, oh, that was actually really good. I like what I said there in the moment. That was actually really funny. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and just fucking recycle it, you know, because that's what people want us to do these days is recycle, you know what I'm saying? So, we're going to go ahead and recycle this joke here and that joke is that our homie Kelvin Gastelum coming out here against Sean Brady, I got to be honest with you, if Sean Brady in flower terms is a rose, and Kelvin Gaslam gotta be some motherfucking baby's breath, bro. Uh, because only thing that can make a rose look prettier than a rose is some baby's breath. You get an ugly rose and you put some baby's breath with it. Wow, what a rose, dude. Uh, so, I mean, Kelvin was every bit of the baby's breath he needed to be. Um, he, he went out there and uh, he did the baby's breath thing. He landed 21 whopping strikes. 18 of them were significant. Kudos. Uh 56% significant strike clip. Dude, 60% total strike clip. Can we can we uh Jamie, can we cue up the cheering here? Thank you. Um so I mean can you stop that shit? So uh you know, we we uh we had Kelvin Gaslam going out there and doing the thing. He landed at a 60% clip, 56% on significant strikes. But you know what's better than 60% nano? Do you? Do you? I'll tell you, 70%. 74% is even better than that, though. And that's what Sean Brady went out there and did. Uh, he landed at a 74% clip. 97 out of 130 strikes landed. Do you understand that that is fucking ridiculous and almost unheard of when it comes to MMA? Dude landed three out of four strikes. That means out of every one, two, three, four, he missed one time. We don't like to talk crap about fighters on this podcast because that's just not nice. And I'm a fan of Kelvin Gaslam. I'm actually a big fan. I've been a fan of him since the ultimate fighter. Uh, I believe if Mary didn't watch the ultimate fighter with me that season, I went back and showed her some reruns at the very least of uh, Chell Sonnen's greatest speech of all time. Uh, 
when Uriah Hall asked him about failure. To which Chell responded, people will tell you the failure is not an option. Those people are liars. Failure is always an option. Failure is actually the most readily available option at all times. But the choice is yours. You can either choose failure or you can choose to fight against it and succeed. Um, I'm sure I butchered that. He had a much a much better quote. It was it was much longer. But at the end of the day, his quote pointed out that failure is always an option. And failure is always the most readily available option. It's the easiest option. At the end of the day, we can choose to fail as soon as we wake up. Literally by not waking up, we can lay in bed that extra hour, that extra two hours. That is giving way to failure. That is giving way to laziness. That is giving way to so many negative tripes and tropes and all these other negative TR words. Um, but guys, this situation though, for Sean Brady, man, he chose the opposite. Whereas Kelvin Gaslam, I was very excited for this fight because Kelvin finally came back down, uh, speaking of tough, to the, the weight that he won the Ultimate Fighter on. You see, he won the Ultimate Fighter at welterweight and then he went up to middleweight. He ballooned up, he didn't get a nutritionist, and it, it wasn't necessarily the best thing in the world for him. So, I was really excited about this fight. I thought he was gonna come out there and beat the brakes off of Sean Brady, but that simply was not the case. Came out there and he got the brakes beat off of him. Uh, he went 0 for 0 on takedowns and he went um, against a Sean Brady who went five for five on takedowns. 58% on significant strikes, 74% on total strikes. Got the submission though in the third round. Again, it very much felt like a situation where one fighter was almost playing with his food, Dono. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this one. I know I've kind of shit the bed here and uh, and spewed on a little bit too long uh, with the verbal diarrhea, but it, it, this was a tough one for me. This was a tough pill to swallow, man. It, this makes me feel very old watching watching Kelvin become baby's breath instead of the roast. It does. It does. Yeah, Sean Brady is obviously someone to be mess uh, to be reckoned with. I think that you know the loss after uh, Bilal, and that's you know. His only loss, Sean Brady, 16 and one at this point. It scared me. I thought, man, this guy is someone I could easily fade. But he looked like an angry fighter out there that wanted to earn the respect of America. And yeah, he beat our golden child, Kelvin Gaslam, someone you always want to root for, someone that has given us, at least myself, one of my favorite fights of all time. And that was Kelvin Gaslam against Israel Adesanya uh, a few years back. A legendary fight. Uh, showed his championship heart and grit. But yeah, at this stage in his career, uh, I think the muscle mass thing, like just not having that strength, frankly, is and, and then just maybe some of the lack of defensive skills on the ground, the wrestling game, which I thought he had a decent wrestling game. But maybe Sean Brady's just that freaking good because he left no like room for error. He gave him he gave Kelvin like zero outs. I mean, I wish I could like more thoroughly analyze like situationally what was happening. But it just felt like in terms of the pressure, in terms of just the strength and knowing like his body positioning, not getting too ahead of himself, like controlling the legs, like keeping him up on the ground, up against the fence. It just felt like Sean Brady just had an answer for everything that Kelvin tried to respond with, but it's, he didn't have anything for him. So yeah, all around, I mean, great performance by Sean. And honestly, if you're him sitting here at 
uh, the nine spot. There's a lot of busyness going on in this division, which is really exciting. Uh, the guy you just lost to is ranked second now. A lot of the guys ahead of you have dance partners already upcoming. So maybe you wait until the dust settles or maybe you try to get back onto UFC 300 if you're healthy against someone like a Joff Neal. He's ranked seven, so you could climb up a couple spots. He's coming off a, a tough loss and a fun fight against Shafkot Rachmanov. Rachmanov, jeez, all over the place there. Sorry about that. Shafkot Rachmanov. But again, Sean Brady, man, I mean, that he's... Because so many people have a little bit of a break here. Okay, no, no, that's a little bit of a jump. Too big of a jump? I was going to jump even farther and say maybe Gilbert Burns, but I know he wouldn't want to go far that down. He wouldn't want to go that low in the rankings, but Sean is right in the conversation now. And so this welterweight division is freaking stacked and one of my new favorites at the moment because when you look at that top 10, it's a lot of fighters with great stories, a lot of narratives, and you never know. What do you think about that? Uh, man, this is one of those where there's honestly a lot of really, really great options here. The welterweight division is uh, I, I'm going to go back and reference again an old joke here in the for those of you that have been here. The welterweight division is um, kind of become I'm going to type it in the chat here for those that are in the, uh, the visual viewing, uh, but it has become the Walter Weight division, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Walter Dash Weight, because everyone wants to wait for their fucking chance to get the, the championship fight here. And oftentimes, more often than not, it's not warranted. So for Sean Brady, it's really a matter of who do we want to see him against, A, and who do we think is actually going to accept a fight against him? Now, right now, in the uh, UFC rankings... Sean Brady is sitting heftily at, uh, let's see here. Where's Sean? He's at, he hasn't moved yet. So he's at nine right now. I'm assuming he's probably going to move possibly up one, maybe replace Vicente Luque at eight. But I also don't think they want to do that since Vicente Luque is fighting their new golden boy in Patty Pimblet. So he might just remain heftily at number nine. If that's the case, with a huge win over Calvin Gaslam, did you I'd like to I said, did you jokingly call Ian Machado Gary Patty Pimlet there? Or or did I miss that? <laughs> I did. I was did. that a dig? I was, I was wondering if you were gonna catch that. That was a dig. I was like, is that a dig? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. The cash cow. That was a, that was a dig, you know? Uh I mean they're they're they're, they're, they're the same guy. They're both copying Conor McGregor. <laughs> I love um, it. I love it. I, I will be wearing the Patty Pimlet wig for parts of the, the show. <laughs> yes, tune in card before his. Uh, tune definitely in, tune y'all. in for that. It's gonna be a good one. Um, I'm definitely gonna be practicing the the accent in the mirror, which is of course gonna go out of the fucking window once we do a few shots. So we will see how that goes. Uh, but I digress. We're talking about the Walter Weight division here. Sean Brady sitting at number nine. Um, Vicente Luque is fighting Patty Pemblet here. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> maybe loser of that fight. Um, otherwise, Jeff, the real deal, Neil, Jeff, hands of steel, Neil, Jeff made of steel, Neil. He did pull out of a fight against Ian Machado, Gary. So 
that might be a fun fight for me. I think Jeff Neal versus the big winner, Sean Brady, would be a very fun fight. I think it'd be a kind of a striker's delight. Even though Sean got the submission here, I think he'd be kind of crazy enough to stand and bang with Jeff Neal. How do you feel about that fight? Dude, I love that fight. I mean, stylistically, it's a wrestler versus striker, right? Obviously, what Sean Brady just did to Kelvin, he'll probably want to do something similar to Jeff Neal. You don't want to sit there and strike with a Jeff Neal. That dude has absolute lead in his hands. But Sean Brady, man, he's tough as all nails. So that'd be a fun one that uh, you'd love to see sooner rather than later. There's a lot of movement in that division. Obviously, Leon Edwards is going to be fine for the title soon. Um, you have Vincente Luque fighting off against, um, yeah, I guess, <laughs> Patty Pimblin on steroids here. Um, and Ian Machado Fucking Gary, hell. for those that don't know. <laughs> Uh, if you all are picking up on our jokes there, but um, yeah, I mean, again, it's a short list of, of of tough elite fighters ahead of them. So it's all timing and availability, but Jeff's available. And if you're Sean, you be- you want to get back in there as soon as possible. hundred percent, baby. hundred percent. Um, man, <sighs> we are moving right along. We are uh, three fights before the main event here. We got Rob Font coming in against Davis and Figueredo, a.k.a. Hobby Fonch coming in against Figgy Figgy Fitty. Can't you see? Uh, God damn. Gonna up another one here, man. Um, you know, I bet on Hobby Fonch. He's the bigger, stronger, slightly longer guy here. I thought he was going to beat up a weight bully. But, you know, every once in a blue moon, it turns out that I'm wrong. And uh, this is one of those cases where I'm going to fully admit to it. Okay? Um, Guys, I think I said previously in, in last week's episode that... There are some fighters that it makes sense for them to go down in weight class. There are some fighters where it makes sense for them to go up in weight class. And in this one's case, I didn't think it made sense for him to go up in weight class because he's a stronger fighter at the lower weight class, much like a Conor McGregor. I didn't think that he was a Dustin Poirier-esque fighter where it would make more sense for him to go up because he'd get less chinny and more gritty. Um, Turns out, I was wrong. He did get stronger. Um, Made his gas tank last a little longer. Made him throw hammer fists like a King Conger. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can can just keep going on for days, okay? Maybe I should have been a rapper. Have the audience turn it into clappers. You know what I'm saying? If I took off my shirt, they'd probably be fappers. I'm gonna Sheesh. stop. <laughs> um, again, again, we you know we're gonna make the jokes here, folks. This is this is no filter. Figgy, fuck man, he proved me wrong. He beat the hell out of Robbie Funch. I thought it was again barely dominant. What's crazy is like when you look at the numbers of this fight compared to watching the fight. Like I remember watching it visually. I remember watching it visually. I say it like it was like fucking 30 years ago. It was was yesterday. I remember it like it was yesterday, my boy. Um, Because it fucking was. So, man, watching it yesterday, I I genuinely remember thinking, man, this is fairly one-sided. This is a whopping, right? Is that fair to say? Would you agree with me? 
You felt that was a one-sided fight? I felt like it was pretty one-way traffic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you mentioned, I think you mentioned that you thought Rob was going to be the stronger fighter. I, that's yeah. right. That's where we disagreed, brother. I'm going to do the shot with you because I'm going to give Iggy his flowers. Figgy, 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 can't you see? I just want to say last last week, I think like there was one shot that I owed and I did five with you. So like, uh, it's not you, like you're doing any fucking favors. This is like hey. a returning the favor, brother. <laughs> I mean, don't tempt me with a good time. All right. I mean, you're not tempting me with a good time, brother. <laughs> all right. Good job, champ. You, yeah. but uh, no, Figgy, man, the ex champ, and I think the one thing you mentioned, you, you, it didn't make sense. I felt like it did because if we rewind, you know, back to when he did fight Brandon, which is the only person he's fought since 2019, the first time they fought, it was not for a title because he was five pounds overweight. He missed by five pounds for a, a championship fight. This motherfucker stepped on the scales, looked at it, saw that it was five pounds over, and was like, you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> it's built stupid anyways. <laughs> yeah, so this is someone that... I forgot that I was cutting weight. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm fighting at flyweight? <laughs> Not Bantam? Uh, yeah, so one of those things where it, he was struggling with to begin with. He was a weight bully, like you mentioned, which... Helped him get to that uh, double, you know, flyweight championship, uh, you know, status. Status. And him and Brandon Moreno really etched themselves in in history with their quadrilogy, which was so fun. A great era where Brandon Moreno came out on top. But, um, yeah, Dev I mean, Figgy looked huge. I mean, he looked just as big as Rob, if not bigger. And right when you seen him in that first round, grab a leg and take him down. That's when I knew, oh, no, like, oh, no, <laughs> Rob's, Rob's in it. And Rob did have some flashes up, brother. I mean, you've seen it, right? The, the one two was landing. I think he starched or he hurt Figgy early on. But boy, by that third round, when you're thinking Iggy's in a fade, like you've seen him do at the younger or at the smaller division against Brandon Moreno, he did not fade. In fact, he looked absolutely the best in that third round. And actually hurt Rob as well. All things considered, brother. I mean, Figgy had a lot to show. I'm going to do my shot here. But is there anything else that surprised you? Or we'll do was it, it the wrestling? Do it together, baby. So I'm curious if it was the wrestling or... Jeez. Or just the fact that he didn't fade. Like, it was... A lot of things impressed me with Figgy, for sure. So... There were a number of things that impressed me about Figgy, 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 can't you see? Um, I knew he really wanted to impress me. Uh, he, he went out there and he went four for seven on takedowns, right? Now, let's, let's think about the last time that he went out there against, uh, who did he fight last uh, four times? Oh, Brandon, Brandon Moreno, he fought him the last four times. Um, so for the first last four fights, right? Like he, he didn't have necessarily the greatest takedowns of all times uh he went two for 11 two fights ago against brandon moreno and he went one for two against him in the last fight so vast improvement here moving up to the bantamweight division so he went four for seven here at a 57.1 percent clip uh very impressive the control once he was on top was pretty impressive as well and when they were standing the way that he was able to throw again, like this man is uh 
very much a tight fighter. Uh, not to be confused with a typewriter. He's a tight fighter. Uh, so he, he's uh, he's a very, very tight fighter. Keeps everything very tight. Throws down the pipe. Like, you you don't see it coming. Like, if you're watching the, the video version of this, right? Like, one of my favorite Muay Thai coaches currently, he describes this as a, a keeping your hands here because when you're shooting your hands, it's like shooting a laser beam. You want to shoot it from your eyes. Boom, 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 boom. Right? You don't see it coming. Because they're coming from the eyes. You're watching the eyes. They're coming out of nowhere. Bop, 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 bop. Um, it's deceptive, to say the very least. So the way that he fights is very much like a, a classic Muay Thai style fighter, shooting from the eyes, laser beam, aka. So I'm going to say two things, and then I'm going to hand it back off to you here. I'm going to tag the bell and, and ring the bell and hand it to you. I think a, I was extremely impressed with his performance. Uh, I was impressed with his performance as GSP would not say. And, uh, I, I do have <sighs> as much as I don't want to admit it. I do have a name on the tip of my tongue here. Um, Ooh, do you want I mean, me to give my name first or do you want to give your name first? That's the question. Ooh. I think I feel like I know what you're gonna say. I feel like there's only one obvious name. So why don't you lay it on me, and then I'll let you know who who my name is. Is there I'll, only one I'll obvious say, name? And is it Peter so. Young? Yes, let's go. Say my name. Say my name, baby. When no one is around you, say baby, I love you. Why the sun you ain't running game? Say my name. Say my name. <laughs> you acting kind of jaded. Nah, not around here. Okay, we say our names. We say loud and proud. And it's Peter Yao, baby. Come on. Love it. That's the guy. That's the guy. I mean, in terms of matchups, in terms of just what you want to see, in terms of a narrative, two uh, ex-champions going at it, it all makes sense, brother. I think that's I think that's the person. Because you got to assume he's going to take that eight spot from Rob Font now. So now you think he's sitting at the I eight gotta, spot. I got to cut into this dance, bro. I got to ask. I got to ask. Talk to me. How do you see it going, bro? Talk to me, Goose. How do you see it going if these two were to match up at Bantamweight currently? Ah, oh, dude, Figgy does look good, and I and I know I usually keep my recency bias, but all things considered, I think Peter Yan is still that guy. Yes, he's gone up and had some tough losses as of recently, but you know, even against Marab, he was still there till the finish, man. I mean, he's looked darn good even in those losses. Uh, that would be a true litmus test of, you know, where Figgy is in that bantamweight realm. Because um, strength-wise, I mean, Peter's deceptively strong, man, and he's got really good wrestling, uh, and, and he can strike with the best of them. So all things considered, I'm going to lean Peter Yan here. Um, and if Figgy actually beats him, then it's, oh, boy, oh another guy, another dog. Another dog in the fight, brother. Another guy that we got to really be talking about here. So it'd be crazy to see. Um, but I think Peter Yon's just, he's that good, man. I think i think Peter Yon finds a way to get it done. But maybe it'll change once I break it down a little bit more in our uh, recap video once it gets announced because it's uh, we're going to need to break it down more. I'm sure my, my opinion might change, but gut reaction, I'm going Yon. Be honest with you, man. 
I'm not mad at it. Uh, I, I'm not mad at it just because I, again, like Peter Hunt's a beast. He's an absolute beast. I love the Muay Thai style. I love the way that he, he utilizes every single thing that he has to his advantage. Uh, the, the man is just an absolute beast, right? Um, but at the same time, I got to say, this man impressed me on Saturday night, man. I, uh, it was tough. It was tough to see. Um, he might be, he might be a little bit of an anomaly himself. He might be a little bit of a, a mutant in the Bantamweight division. Oh, nice. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I like that. I feel like, and the reason I threw back to the 90s kind of theme there is because I feel like. What's the best one? I mean, well, A. It's <laughs> the fucking best one. <laughs> That's without a fucking question. Uh, B. I mean, the, the new series is coming out very soon. Um, it's coming out in the next like three to four months. Can't wait for that. Grew up on that. And C. Come on, man. Like, it's, it's, it's the perfect pick. For this anomaly of a young man he he came out there and he got it done in every facet of the word and uh he is a bit of a mutant in the in the bantamweight division because let me ask you without don't fucking google anything nano i'm, I'm calling you out right now bro don't fucking google anything bro looking for google like where are you um Name another like solid Muay Thai stance fighter in the Bantamweight division currently in the top 15 without Googling anything. I mean, does Sanhagen fall under that? Or are we talking more strict Muay Thai? Sanhagen is MMA, bro. Uh, fair. Oof. I would say kickboxing over Muay Thai for Sanhagen, too. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, He's more broad spectrum, dude. True, true, true. Literally, it's only the it's it's the guy we named Fasiv, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, no, Fasiv's lightweight, doggy. Oh, duh. Fasiv fought fucking Gaethje. Yeah, I'm tripping. I'm I'm thinking of Jalen Turner already. You straight uh, tripping, boo. Straight tripping, dog. <laughs> you boo, you you chucking and jiving over here. Say no, boo, you straight tripping. I can't think of anyone. I'm I'm have to pull up the rankings now. Who is it? Do you know? It's literally just Peter Yon. Oh, I just yeah, I see. Classic, classic yeah. Muay Thai stance at Bantamweight. Yeah. It's only Peter Yon and now Figgy. Oof, that's a good stylistic matchup right there. That's a fun fight. It's one of those random fights where I think, other than the two guys that are in there, because like, like again, make no mistakes, these guys are going to take fucking damage, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, as much as I don't want to promote that. We're, we're literally in the hurt the hurt sport here uh so it's it's a it's a fight where every single one of us fans oh we win it almost feels like a bit of a, a christmas gift do i hear that yep it sounds like it's a bit of a christmas cheer sounds like a bit of a christmas gift here um i think there's no other way to go for that one and i think with that being said I've been I've been uh, truly procrastinating as much as I possibly can before moving into the co-main event of the evening, the co-main event of the evening. But as much as I've tried to procrastinate, Bruce, take it over. It's time. 
am I? There he is. Uh, he's right outside the window, don't you know? Um, it's time for Jalen Turner versus Bobby Green. Nano, my fucking guy, Brother. my fucking guy, dude. What what were your thoughts on this fight? Um, this is this is one of those where we both lose because we don't let each other take shots alone, and I took Bobby Green, <laughs> Jalen Turner. So um, while I'm pouring this up, I mean, hey man, it's shot time. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Turner, man, I'll do. I'll give him my flowers. I'll happily pour out a shot for the tarantula having a quite a hell of a performance. What a stoppage! Although he had him out of there much earlier than he needed to. He delivered way more punches than he had to. It was much of too late of a stoppage. But before I get into that, uh, great performance by Jalen Turner. And, you know, it was exactly what we thought was going to happen. Bobby Green was going to do what Bobby Green does. Uh, throw his defense out the window. Keep his head out there like a you know fish waiting for some bait. And, yeah, you know, when you leave it out there long enough and, and you tempt someone like that. And, and the reality is from a fighting stance perspective and when you're dealing with someone as long as Jalen Turner you gotta try to get in somehow but if you're gonna get into that you know line of fire you usually want to have some sort of defense mechanisms in place unfortunately Bobby Green did not do any of that had his hands at the side was coming in although he might have felt like he was Taylor Swift out there or maybe was too swifty for our boy Jalen Turner that was not the case it was like a sin duck just waiting, waiting. Try to rush in. Took the shots behind the neck. And that, like this violin, typically indicates that's all she wrote. And now we're talking about Bobby Green's eulogy. Um, class act after the fight. Took it like a champ. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. And that ref should probably never ref again in the UFC. Because he could be charged for manslaughter. For what he did to our boy Bobby Green. Unnecessary. You want to talk about super unnecessary damage? There was a lot of that, unfortunately. So, here's your thoughts, brother. If maybe you were hoping for something more from Bobby Green. Or if you expected maybe for him to get inside, land the counter. But it just felt like he wasn't able to get his hands off. And again, Jalen, even just that one, two, doesn't need much room to generate power. And boy, they'll hurt you. The shot might have been behind the head a little bit. It was like kind of on the neck, kind of underneath the ear. Not Jalen's fault because, again, if you're just charging in with just your neck out there, I mean, I guess better that than your jocks. That would have been an, an immediate KO. But uh, curious to hear your thoughts on that one, brother. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Are we laugh. We live. I'm going to uh, jump in and say, I obviously thought that Bobby Green was probably going to move a little bit more and sway with these punches. Um, man, I thought it was going to be green with money instead of green with envy. Uh, but instead, I was wrong here, folks. And uh, Bobby Green, man, he uh, he ate the venom of the tarantula, Jalen Turner. And Jalen Turner, make no mistake about it, he threw venom behind every single one of these shots, guys. Uh, the the guy landed 33 out of 60 shots compared to 15 out of 26 of his opponent. Both landed over a 50% clip, but they simply like didn't have a chance to throw a different amount here. So um, 
there was, I believe it was 13 seconds of unanswered strikes. I counted last night. I rewound on the live stream. Um, so this, this might be a, a bit of a shock to you guys, but you might bat your eyelashes when you hear this one. 26 that I counted and I, I may be wrong been intoxicated at the time uh 26 unanswered strikes from bobby green dude come on bro 26 unanswered strikes you got to stop it before then uh, people can say like he wasn't out before then he fucking was though not only was he out before then he was out three times before they stopped the fight no no i've i've now went back I, okay we had this conversation earlier, like, I haven't gone back and rewatched this fight. You know, usually I'm the guy that's like, I've rewatched this fight three times. I've rewatched this fight 37 times, even though it happened two days ago. Um, I've watched this fight three times. It wasn't that fucking long, okay? It was two minutes and 49 seconds to watch the fight three times, okay? It would take you less than nine minutes. Okay, so I watched the fight three times. It took me less than nine fucking minutes. 26 is what I counted. 26 unanswered strikes. Uh, it's, just, it's just too many, Nano. It's too many strikes. Um, I can tell you that our guy, Bobby Green, he went and he recorded a little, uh, little Instagram livey. And he was like, hey, you know, I keep it real. Oh, I got knocked out or I got beat. Whatever he said. But he's like, you know, like it is what it is. Blah, blah. Bro got the fuck knocked out of him. And then literally he posted like eight hours later after he did the after party, drank with all the strippers and whoever else he went and party with at Little Woodrow's. Shout out Little Woodrow's in fucking Dallas or uh, there at the one in Austin, I'm sure. There's like multiple locations these days. You know what I'm saying? Shout out. Um, or rather, you know what I'm saying? Make them coins. <laughs> um, little Woodrow's. He posted this morning, or rather this afternoon, like he's all, okay, I just went and watched the video of it, and shit. But he's, he made, like, even after he had his reaction, he's like, you know, shit happens, though. I got be. It is what it is. Um, I will say this. Like, something that I have to really point out, Nano, that is pretty crazy and you might not know this this might be a little bit of breaking news for you okay um and i honestly think you're you're probably gonna look at the camera and be like what the f here's the thing armand sarukian who fought in the main event today not not yesterday not the day before not five weeks ago today he went and followed the ref that ref that fight and let him take 26 unnecessary strikes. And I say to you, what the f That's next level trolling, brother. Brother! <laughs> I didn't know he had it in him. That is fatality. I didn't know Armand rolled like that. What a dog. <laughs> My fucking guy. What happened? Armand Sarukin, I thought, was one of the pure souls of MMA. And here I am like, oh, it ain't so. It ain't so. 
Oh, he's a bully. He said, you talk about me in my country, you pay for that. You pay for your words. You pay for your words. I said, oh shit, he ain't fucking around. All right. Love it. My fucking guy. Um, but now what's yeah, next? I, I, I figured you probably didn't know that, right? Like that was not. a very, very fun. F- this is a fun fact, right? Um, very curious to hear what you think should be next for. And, and this is a rare occasion where I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Uh, beware, it could happen at any time. Who do you think should be next for the winner and the loser of this fight? Mm. I mean, I'll start. Well, I guess I'll start with Bobby on this one, because at 37 years old, I'm curious to see where they put him in the ranking after this, if they keep him in there. Because it just I don't know how much longer you want to keep doing it. I, I don't know. Me personally, I guess I, I, I'm not even looking at the top 15 or if it is, maybe it's. Well, Drew Dobrin, him already fought. Maybe, maybe Renato. I mean, that's a, that's a fun fighter. I mean, a little bit on the older side. Maybe you just match them up. Give Renato I'm that. I'm going to jump in real quick before you finish your thought here and ask you this. You said, you know, I don't know how longer, how much longer you want to do this. Now, I know you and me are like pretty close to being brothers without fucking being blood related here. And so we share a, a pretty good amount of things. Um, I'm not going to ask you to tell the viewers when your last fist fight was, but I'm going to ask you this. Tell the viewers, when's the last time you felt that alive? Probably like a year ago-ish, a year and a half. You know what I'm saying? So you're saying like, I don't know how long he wants to do this. Man, as someone who used to spar like every Saturday, every other Saturday at the very least... I haven't sparred in a great number of years and I'm with all due respect. I just started training again. I'm not ready to spar yet physically, but mentally there's a part of me that's like, fuck you. You should go in on a Saturday at 1 PM. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? You get fucking wrecked. (laughs) So, um, here we are. I love it. I love it. Well, that's fair. Ah, man. It's just, once you start training at an MMA gym, bro, you're you're gonna be the worst. You're gonna be a fucking savage, bro. Uh, I'll I'll be a I'll be a good smart partner. Tell you that much. Be a good punching bag. Uh, <laughs> Will you? I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I hope so. I think so. I mean, I was even, the worst when I first started. That's fair. Because I was not not because I was a dick. Because I was so excited. That's fair. That too. I mean, and we've and we've <laughs> you know sparred. I don't think I've. Um, I think, you know, know how to play nice, but, you know, maybe when, especially when you start getting sharp or even now where I'm like, uh, you don't realize how strong or how quick or, you know, how, how it's going to come off. I, I can understand that. But I don't want consider- to put you on blast, but I will say with all due respect, I feel like you're you've had fun and been a good sparring partner because I'm a really nice sparring partner. You go pretty hard when you do get clipped lightweight. Um, no, dude. and you don't realize it and it's but it's fun like for me because i'm i with all due respect i feel like i'm ahead of you in the and like the training aspect 100%. it's fun for me like you hit me and mm-hmm. i'm like oh yeah cool 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 um i feel like if you go with someone that's like not advanced you might you might hurt somebody brother that's <laughs> you're, pretty, you're pretty tough dog <laughs> 
Hey, it's man, a compliment, I mean, not an insult. I appreciate that, brother. No, yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, yeah, spent a lot of time in the gym, and I know to throw a punch by all means, but yeah, all things considered, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near these guys' level, and uh, you know, as much as I want to get it beat up and and want to see training as part of my life, even as I get older too, right? I mean, if I'm 37. And I'm Bobby Green's age. I want to still be able to get after it, you know, by all means. But um, I, to, for me to say, hey, like, you know, give him someone in the top 10 after that performance. That's tough for me to say. I mean, yes, he did take this on short notice, just like Jalen did. But Jalen's a savage and he's someone that is trending north. That is itching closer to that title. And a part of me feels like, you know, man, as much he now Bobby Green is a draw. He's someone that is going to get paid. And, and maybe for that he does stick around but he could do a lot of good work in other organizations even bare knuckle if he's a real absolute savage um but again like it's like if you're not going to be contained for the title soon it's like you sh he should at least be considering like what is my future like who is a good money fight for me um and at a minimum too you might want to take at least like a few months off from that bad of a just concussion and amount of damage you took from a, a big tough individual who was weighing what 181 i think jalen turner was going in there and then he <laughs> cut that amount of weight in 10 days so yeah uh the fact that he made weight is almost as impressive as the win yeah and he looked good he didn't i mean who knows and maybe how he would have looked in the second or third round but yeah we haven't looked. done our shot for this one yet and we have a yes. shot to do for the next one too so it's gonna be a tough it's gonna be a tough last like 10 15 minutes here cheers folks cheers brother um <laughs> and yeah and i guess i'd end it with again with bobby maybe someone like renato if you keep him in the top 15 or maybe someone a little bit older um like a rizzle vet even like an rda i suppose i mean i want to see how the rankings end up shifting but if i'm jalen turner RDA, maybe a, a Gamrot to try to get that one back on a full camp because he did take that one on short notice as well. Um, those are the only guys ahead of you that, that makes sense. So curious here if you have any other names on the top of your mind or if, you know, maybe that's just what makes the most sense in terms of timing. One more time. Who did you say? Uh, I was so for Bobby, I was thinking Renato Moicano, and then I for, love that fight, yeah. And then for Jalen, I guess RDA because he doesn't just doesn't have a dance partner coming up or a Gamrot to try to get that one back. But if okay, you're Gamrot, so, you don't want to take that. <laughs> All right, thank you for clarifying. Uh, I have one the same and one opposite, or not opposite, but different rather. Um, so the one that I have the same is Money Moicano for Bobby Green. I think that's a legend fight for both guys. I think it's a fun fight that makes both uh, sense from a money standpoint for both guys. And it also makes sense for a timing standpoint uh, for, for both guys. And I mean, if we're talking about timing, can we talk about the Marvel Universe introducing the fucking X-Men timing wise? Come on, folks. Deadpool um, 3, come on. Can't wait. Let's go! I know you saw the leaks today, brother, with Sabretooth's head being held up. Wild. Can't wait to see that. Dog! What a Can't way wait. to say, hey, he's going to be in the movie. He's also fucking getting beheaded. Good times. And Hugh Jackman um, in there looking sharp in that whoa, classic yellow that suit. That was cool. You know very what I'm cool. saying? Oh, very cool. Uh, so, again, if we're talking about timing, 
That fight makes a lot of sense timing wise. And speaking of timing here, folks, um, you know, I'm all about timing. I'm going to say Jalen Turner versus Armand Sarukian. I'm going to tie into the next, uh, the next fight here. I think it just makes a lot of sense. Nano brother. Um, I'm not mad. I'm not mad by any means at your pick. If your pick gets the fight, Sign me the fuck up. I hope to uh, have the poster of it someday. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but either way, I just truly think that the the other fight that makes sense is, you know, Jalen Turner just got to win over Bobby Green. He stepped up on short notice. Jalen Turner is somebody who is, oh, man, I don't want to say it. Just kind of jump out on a crazy limb here and say that he might be the future of the division. But fuck, man. Very well, might be the future of the division, and I think we can call a spade a spade when we say that. Um, he's an absolute beast. I think he's a problem for Justin Gaethje. I think he's a problem for Benil Dariush. Uh, I think he's a problem for Michael Chandler, Mateo Scamro, etc. I think uh, he might even be a problem for Islam Makhachev, but we won't know until he fights the likes of an Armand Sarukian. So that's my main pick for Jalen Turner is Armand Sarukian, my number one pick. For Bobby Green, you fucking spoiled you dick. Uh, (laughs) I had Money Moicano in that one. We got the hive mind going. You know what I'm saying? So, got to say to you, lick lick my balls. (laughs) um, Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I was like, what the fuck was that metal sound? It was Bucky Moose hiding behind the Captain America shield. That was hilarious. Literally (laughs) heard it through the fucking like sound canceling uh, headphones. Here, like, what is that metal sound? For those of you that don't know, that are just watching the, uh, or just rather listening to the audio version, got a full-size metal Captain America shield in the background here. Good times. Nice. Nano, it's time, bro. Without further ado, you know we got to jump into the main event. It's time! I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Um, Before we do that, though, I feel like we should probably go ahead and just do our shot. Um, We we had Benil Dariush. Coming in against Armand Sarukian, who you just heard me mention the name of. Gotta gotta hit a little salt, babe, here and sprinkle a little respect on this guy's name. I like Armand Sarukian. I gotta say, address the elephant in the room here. I have always liked him. I just didn't think stylistically this was a great matchup for him. But no filter is the name of the show, and that's the name of the go. So I'm gonna go ahead and call it. I was wrong. Cheers, brother. Yeah, this was a coming out party for Armand Sarukian. I know you think Jalen Turner might be the future of this division, and this is the lightweight division, the most stacked, oh, no. I think, most fun division. I think Jalen has a chance, but Armand is what you're leading to, he's right? Here. Being the yes, future? He's, he's here. here. He is here. Yeah, the he's future here. has arrived, and that is Armand Sarukian. I'll shut the fuck up and let you do your thing. <laughs> no, because you're absolutely right, brother. I mean, all things considered, this is the most stacked division in the UFC. It's been for a long time, and all these names in the top five, like you mentioned, Hall of Famers. I mean, Islam Makhachev, pound for pound greatest right now. Charles Oliveira, Hall of Famer. Justin Gaethje, baddest motherfucker alive. And one of the funnest fighters to ever do it. Dustin Poirier, legend. Dustin Diamond. I mean, these dudes are all absolute beasts. Oh, and I, did I even mention Michael Chandler? And, um, oh, I don't know, maybe my freaking Connor freaking McGregor? Come on, boys. Come on. I mean, what are we talking about here? This is stacked. And our monster can entered his name in the chat hello new new person in the potty here we got the young gun armand sarukin from georgia and i ain't talking about the state talking about the country y'all 
Um, dude only needed a minute to, to uh, do damage, to do work against Benil Dariush. And it was impressive in the way he went about it. Starting the clinch and then following up with, uh, well, clinched with the right knee, missed a little bit, but followed up with the same right hand on the same side. Benil did not see it coming. That's all it took. One on the money that put Darius out. I mean, Charles needed to kick him in the head. All that Armand needed to do was basically faint the uh, the knee to the face and uh, <laughs> in a jab right hand, boom, put him out. Those grounded pound shots were Donkey Kong-esque. I don't know if they're super necessary, but boy, they're super violent. And again, a minute, all Armand needed. If you just take a look at his physique, he looks absolutely fantastic. I mean, the shape he's in, the muscles, like the the stamina. I mean, it's dude looks impressive. And again, like I, I really like how long he keeps his jab hand and, and kind of makes good distance with that kind of kickboxing style. He is a problem and, and he's strong on the ground. He didn't even need to show it. All things considered, I think, like he mentioned, I mean, he battled against an Islam Makachev back in the day, was actually able to take Islam down. I mean, who can actually say they took the champion down at any point? Not a lot of people. And this was three years ago. So Armand is how old now? 27? So at 24 years old, he was able to wrestle and, and withstand, take and and uh a dagestani stud and islam makachev taking the full distance lost but boy i mean and I, that's all the motivation he needed that might have been why we're here talking about armand now is you know that kind of motivation that kind of grid determination um is why i do think man he he could potentially be the champion here by the time he's 30. no i mean that i would not be surprised by that at all now, how is he going to get there? Well, he's going to have to knock off one of these guys. Now, he did ask for the title shot, which, hey, I, I respect it. Is he going to get it? Probably not, unfortunately. So who is next? Sign me up for any of the, those guys I just mentioned. Conor McGregor probably won't sign up for this fight. Doesn't have the namesake. But if if and if Conor does not fight Michael Chandler, Michael needs a dance partner. Michael Chandler is probably the funnest fight to make here realistically after that i mean you gotta put dustin or justin in there as well maybe even charles i mean it, it needs to be whoever he fights needs to be the number one contender eliminator so i don't know who, who's next for islam maybe it's justin then then it's got to be armand and dustin if dustin's getting that shot next then cool maybe throw justin against armand but it's got to be this tournament style of you know the top guys got to cross each other off the the hit list <sighs> so all things considered i'm on i mean i say don't settle for anything less than islam but if someone like a justin gage is going to get that shot then i think you go and chase dustin michael or kana what do you think brother who who excites you the most out of uh, that name or do you think jalen is is next You know me, bro. You know I'm not going to give the same response for two fight picks. Come on, brother. <laughs> uh, so for, for the co-main event pick, if I'm Jalen Turner, if I'm the tarantula, I'm spitting venom, pop, 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 at the motherfucker known as Armand Sarukian. But if I'm Armand Sarukian, 
I'm timing it. Maybe maybe a two week difference versus on the same fight card here. I don't know. I'm timing it against someone that's predicting to get a massive win on UFC. I don't know. Uh, maybe 296 is what I'm thinking. Maybe UFC 296. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking here. Let's let's think here. Who's gonna get like maybe like a Karate Kid finish here? Uh, probably Patty the Batty. Probably gonna have to break out the wig, um, folks. Could you even imagine if uh, Patty the Batty gets the mother effing win over Tony Ferguson? It's going to be Patty time instead of Tony time. And if that happens, man, I got to be honest with you. I think Armand Sarukian is uh, he's the second coming of Conor McGregor, even though he's not even close to the style or region of Conor McGregor. But that being said, the casual fan, they think... Patty the Batty is Irish, even though he's uh, from Liverpool. Uh, so, I mean, come on, folks. We're going to go ahead and uh, rewind here. To Khabib versus Connor. And you know we're going to get an Armand Sarukian versus Patty the Batty pamphlet. And I feel like if Patty doesn't walk out to a little bit of... You know what I'm saying? We're shipping off the Boston, baby. Uh, I, I think it's just a missed opportunity. I think Armand Sarukian should walk out to shipping off the Boston. I think he should fight, or sorry, rather, Patty the Batty should walk out to ship into Boston. And I think he should fight Armand Sarukian. Um, Armand Sarukian could very much be the Khabib to the Patty Pimlet story. Uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. I'm here for it. And uh, at the end of the day, man, that fight, it gets me quite a bit excited. No, Brother, no what are I your mean, thoughts? Yeah, I was just to say, I mean, this, what gets me excited is just thinking about the future of this division. I mean, the reality is, and it, it's exciting, but it's also sad that everyone I listed off, Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor. I'm going to throw Michael Chandler in there as well, even though he's a little bit older. But they're all 34 or 35 years old or 37 being Michael Chandler. Let's put that in perspective, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, Father Time is not on their side. Let's say that. Armand is 27. Michael Chandler, or sorry, did Charlie Olives cheat? Not to my knowledge. He cheated against uh, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Not Ooh. once, but twice. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. Are we talking about the gloves? The glove grabs, I baby. I thought you were talking about you saw it, huh? But, uh, saw it, huh? <laughs> oh, you're talking about, about saw, saw it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But we're talking about the future of the lightweight division. I mean, it is. It is Armand. Oh. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta queue up the. Here we go. We got one more shot in us here for the podcast. It's a great song. But yeah, I mean, Patty's bad. The dropkick Murphy's shipping off to Boston. We don't own the rights to that song. 
It's a fantastic song, though. Fuck, it's a good song. I'm going to listen to might- it after this fucking episode. There you go. I think you might have called out a fight. Maybe we'll be talking about maybe at the end of next year or the following, because that, those are two guys that are going to be on a collision course. But I think Armand has to knock off one of these old timers, one of the staples in the division. And if he can do so, get to Islam, then anything's possible, brother. I mean, he looks freaking good and he's he has the skill set to give Islam a But I think Armand versus Jalen is arguably the fucking eliminator, bro. You what disagree? do you do with the but what do you do with those top guys like Justin? Right? I mean, what, what do you do with Justin? Oh, man, Justin fights Dustin in a trilogy fight. They're one and one, bro. And they fought once where Justin's from, and they fought zero times where Dustin's from. You make them fight in New Orleans at the fucking Superdome, Dougie. So what do you do with Islam after beating Charles? Or no, not Charles. Excuse me. He beat uh, Islam. Bolt, they're, they've but- already they've already set to uh, set up Islam versus Charles too. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they're 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 planning to set that up before Ramadan. So Islam versus Charles before Ramadan. Arman versus Jalen for a title eliminator or rather a number one eliminator. And then Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier three for a title eliminator. That's the fucking shot. Dustin Poirier retweeted it, bro. I do like that. I just, bro, they've given it to. Oh, I, I before you even fucking speak, I'm sorry. I, I very rarely you like know what I'm to gonna cut say. you off. You know, but what I'm, I'm gonna, gonna cut say. you off. I'm gonna shut you the fuck down, bro. <laughs> like, bro, I'm gonna. You gotta shut the fuck up. You're crickets right now, doggy. I'm gonna mute you. I got the fucking power. Bow, muted, son. He's muted. He has no fucking power. Um. Either way, like real talk, I'm gonna stop this fucking cricket shit, and I'm gonna also unmute him because that's mean. I don't want to have that fucking unnecessary power. Um, I mute myself. No, excuse me. brother, brother, <laughs> talk to me. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. They're one and one. They fought one time at elevation where Justin Gaethje's from, and they fought zero times where Dustin Poirier's from. They fought one time at a random undisclosed like. Location where neither guy gets an advantage. So I just feel like they got to fight in New Orleans. They got to fight in Louisiana. They got to fight in the home state of Dustin Poirier. Winner gets the winner of Islam Makachev versus whoever he fought last. Mm. And you know what's interesting? Dana White was mentioning like a super fight being announced soon. I don't know why, but a part of me thinks it's going to be Diaz versus Poirier. I think he might come in and fight Nate Diaz. I don't want to be an absolute dickhead because I I really am a Diaz fan. You know this. Um, Poirier murders Diaz. I know, but that that might be the super fight that Dana's trying to make. Again, I mean, I think all things considered, I think if, if you're trying to do what's right you give dustin and justin you give dustin that nod right like the third the the because he got not he got he got late kicked. he got knocked out his last fight against justin so it, it doesn't look good optically but you can make the case that hey yeah he dustin beat justin so this is the kind of the third the winner take all not just for the bmf you maybe even keep that out of it you just say hey this is for the number one contender fight this is to fight Islam next. 
And if maybe if you line it up that way, then then it makes sense. If Islam is already for sure finding Charles, but Dana White did say that this throws a wrench into things. Like the way Armand looked, the way he was able to put away a Benil Dariush. I don't know if you if he all of a sudden gets the jump. My you know only thing, <laughs> my only thing with Islam and Charles too, it's like they've already fought, right? Like. Do we need to see that again? Was it that close we of don't. a fight the first time? It's it's like a Christmas gift. That's why I played that soundbite. Like, yeah. like, um, it's, Fair enough. It's like a bit of a Christmas gift. Not for me. For the Charles fans. I, I want to call again. We call ourselves the No Filter Show because we we don't fake it. We don't show a filter here. Like um, Islam versus Charles. I feel like nine maybe eight out of ten times at at the best and i say this for the charles fans i like charles um but eight out of ten at best nine out of ten realistically charles versus islam goes in the favor of islam and i think i i I speak for the masses when i say that because charles wins fights based off people that are unwilling to engage in the grappling game with him when they rock him islam He's not going to hesitate to engage you in the grappling phase because he's better than you. Um, I think the movie Dodgeball said it best when White Goodman stated in the fake commercial, here at Globo, Jim, we're better than you. And we know it. And we know um, it. <laughs> like, that's that's Islam Akachev when it comes to grappling, dog. Like, that's fair. Here in, here in Dagestan, we're better than you. And we know it. And we know. Uh, so if, if we rock you, we will, we will rock you. Um, you know, the Global Gym Purple Cobras. He's gonna—he's not going to hesitate to jump on top of your ass. Um, and, you know, within about maybe 0.75 seconds, you're going to be like, you're probably wondering how I got here. And it's because I trained at 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And I thought I was better than Islam Akhachev. But his name ends with Akhachev, and I'm fucked. Uh, so here's Islam. Um, he's going to beat you nine times out of ten. Fun fact. I trained at American Kickboxing Academy, and I heard from two of my coaches, not one, but two, that Khabib... He tapped Cain Velasquez. You know how he did it? Switching between submissions like the armbar and the arm triangle. Making someone stack up and then stack down and then stack up and then stack down when they're 40 to 100 pounds heavier than you. And uh, it's very exhausting for them when you're just adjusting at a very minuscule level because you have a very high level um, understanding of grappling. And that is Islam Khachev, Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, Muslim Sadikov, etc. The list goes on. So these guys are, when it comes to the, the, the kind of grappling uh, regime, as it were, they're, they're mutants. Okay? They're different. They're built different. Uh, and, you know, whether it's yesterday or 20 years from now, they're going to be yelling to this day. They're better than you. Um, 
And it's okay, folks. Like, it's okay if you get upset because they're better than me too. It's a fucking fact. <laughs> I got, I got snapped and tapped by all these fucking guys, but these guys are absolute beasts. Now, our Monsarukian could be the future, but him versus Islam is going to be the ultimate test. Do you think it should be next? Or do you think that he should have a, um, I don't want to say a test before them, but a test before them. No, I think you run it, man. I think you run it. And the reason being, it's just Charles versus, versus Islam 2 doesn't excite me right now. I, I, as much as, I mean, the, the, the silver lining is... Well, hey, I mean, what what do you what is the case? Well, Charles knocked out Benil Dariush. Okay, okay. Is that is that the criteria? Because Armand fits the criteria. He he makes he makes the criteria as well. I mean, and who's more exciting and who's newer? I mean, yes, oh, I guess you could also make a case Armand fought fought Islam as well. But this is back in 2019, and this was to a full decision. So he spent 25 minutes in there with Islam Makachev. And Armand, at that time, was only 24 years old. And boy, does he look freaking exciting now. So all things considered, I love Charles. And yes, he he did also beat Benil. But I think you got to go back and, and, and you got to maybe earn it still. Or maybe maybe Charles has to fight Islam. Maybe that's the title eliminator. Or Islam fight or blah, blah, blah. Charles fights Armand. Maybe that's the fight that we need to be talking about here. <laughs> Getting all jumbled up. We are two and a half hours in, so my apologies. But yeah, all things considered, I mean, it, it, this tournament style at the lightweight division, I feel like it would be such a great time to do so. Just line up whoever is healthy and ready and able, and winner gets. A shot at the title. Um, Islam and Charles literally. I know it's already talked about, but uh, Charles and Armand both beat Benil. Both have fought Islam. <sighs> the fresher, funner fight feels like Armand. But obviously, Charles always deserves that title shot as well. So, oh, boy. Throw those names in a hat and whoever the two that you pick, I'll I'll watch that fight. Islam versus Charles. And Armand versus Justin Gagey. Ooh. That's the fight. That's the fights. Fatality. 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 That's how it's gonna go, folks. I think I'm going to switch it up. I think I'm going to, I think my choice is going to be Islam versus Justin for the title BMF versus the lightweight champ. And then the eliminator will be Charles versus Armand because they both beat Benil. They both lost to, to Islam and they need to, they need to have the last little deciding factor who, who actually gets the chance back at the title. I'm not mad at that. So you think. One more time for the viewers without me fucking throwing random sound effects in. It's going to be Islam versus Justin. Baddest motherfucker versus the champ. Uh, baddest motherfucker versus the pound for pound. Lightweight champion right now. I think he booked that. Maybe spring. 
And then the summertime, or maybe on that same card, if you really want to make it interesting, you put Armand and Charles in there. Both beat Benil Dariush. Both have lost to Charles, uh, Islam Makachev. So the winner gets a crack at maybe Islam or Justin if he wins. So that's the title eliminator. I think that's the way you go about it. And then if you're Dustin Diamond, hopefully you're fighting Conor McGregor for an easy dub. Or you just sit and hopefully uh, <laughs> wait for wait for your uh, line to be answered. Because unfortunately, you're kind of the odd man out here. Go find ideas, Owens. Make yourself some money. That'd be a banger to... I'd, I'd pay to see that one. Nate Diaz versus Justin uh, Dustin Poirier is obviously the easy win here. Yeah, I'm blinking like crazy. Um, I, I, I think... I, th- I truly think Dustin Poirier gets the knockout here. I can't help but think that Dustin Poirier is a very tough fight compared to Jake Paul, folks. Um, Call me crazy here, but I truly think that I'm on the side of victory here. And I think that uh, Dustin Poirier is one of arguably, if not the best lightweight fighters in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, Islam Makachev, obviously a beast. Broke one of my knuckles uh, for for good luck here. Um, I I, I got to give my round of applause to Nano here though. Great job laying out the lightweight division. Um, not much I have to add. I think that you did a great job laying it out. I think that. Um, when it comes to co-hosts, couldn't have did a better job, my guy. You are the man with the plan. You are the co-host with the most. And it's well after 1030, so we got to call it a fucking night because it <laughs> it's a Sunday, folks. We got work on Monday. Uh, so we appreciate you all. As, as always, we would appreciate it if you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. But... A little bit of a difference here, guys. We have a contest going on. If you like, comment, and have subscribed to the channel, you will be entered for a chance to win some t-shirts here. So uh, like, comment, subscribe. If you've already subscribed, like some old videos, comment on some old videos, you will be entered for extra chances to win the Mean Potato Style striker aka the sean strickland t-shirt from MMA anomaly get in where you fit in fam we are trying to send you some free t-shirts uh let us know in the comments and as always we appreciate you joining the stream keep on going keep on growing and on twitter at MMA anomaly on twitter Drive Turkey Talk for the co-host with the most, aka Drive Turkey Nano. Make sure you um, follow us both and turn on notifications so you get the uh, updates for these Twitch and or YouTube streams. And we'll see you next time, folks. Keep on going. Keep on growing. Until then, we'll see you on Wednesday. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. 
As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.